Daily Aviation Podcast is presented as entertainment, not flight instruction. Though some participants are certified flight instructors, their comments, opinions, and discussions of flying techniques are theirs alone. None of the co-hosts or guests on this podcast are acting as your flight instructor. Please consult your own CFI for guidance on your specific flight training, aeronautical knowledge, and aircraft operation. This is the Stuck Mike Avcast, an aviation podcast about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly. From the deck at Sun and Fun Radio, this is the Stuck Mike Avcast, live from Sun and Fun 2018. Now here are your co-hosts, Victoria Newville, Eric Crump, Larry Overstreet, Russ Rosleski, Tom Frick, Rick Felty, and Carl Valeri. Welcome to the deck here. This is the Stuck Mike Avcast live from Sun and Fun Radio, 1510 a.m. Streaming live on liveatc.net slash SNF 2018. This is uh, an event we have every year here at Sun and Fun, and we thank our uh, our kind host for this and also our volunteers here at uh, the Stuck Mike Avcast. As many of you know that uh, at Stuck Mike Avcast, one of our missions is to help other people, and that is through volunteering. And one of the ways we do that that is volunteering at events like this at uh, Sun and Fun and Sun and Fun Radio. Dave Shalbetter, of course, is the chairman of Sun and Fun Radio, and we appreciate him hosting us this evening. This is our, our live show. Dave is actually yelling at us right now saying, get to work, Carl. The, uh, <laughs> but joining me on the deck here, we have a lot of good conversations. Eventually, Dave will come up on the deck, and we, we will introduce him because there's a little special announcement we have about Dave. We, wanna, we don't want to like give it away right now, but uh, to my right is uh, Russ Wozleski. Russ, welcome to the deck, and welcome back for our live show. Thank you, Carl. It's been a great week, and I got to say, we don't usually hear the intro music when we do know, the podcast. Cool. It's put in later in post production, but it's so cool to hear it live. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's great. I love it. You know, for now on, I think we should do that. It gets us pumped up. That's it does. for sure. It yeah, it really does. I, I think being live on the deck gets us pumped up, also. Yeah. And then uh, to his right, we got uh, Larry Overstreet. Larry, welcome to the deck this evening. Oh, thank you. You know, usually I say uh, welcome from Wisconsin or welcome from Milwaukee or something like that, but uh, it is so nice to say hello from Lakeland. Yes. And how do you like the cool breeze we have here? It is wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. It's uh, the sun's starting to somewhat go a little bit towards the trees, so it's blocking, uh, and we have a nice, cool deck here. Uh, another person that you haven't heard from in a while uh, is Robert Sigliano. Robert Sigliano is uh, had a podcast, a new pilot pod log. Uh, also, is somebody here volunteering with uh, Stuck Mike Avcast. Doing a great job banging out all those interviews. Uh, I tell you what, he is uh, an editing machine. Uh, welcome to the deck uh, on uh, Stuck Mike Avcast Live at Sun of Fun 2018. Thanks, Carl. Thanks for having me here. Appreciate it. Yeah, this is a blast. I mean, you know, I know you're very passionate about aviation. It's been a while uh, to actually, for you, to get up in an airplane. But yeah. coming to events like this, I mean, it really does motivate you to get back up in the air, doesn't it? Absolutely. Uh, looking at all the airplanes, I texted my wife and I told her I want to buy a Technum. A Technum? Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, I know you like that. I remember I you were flying the, the Eaglet. Eaglet um, and the Sierra. I looked at the new Sierra. It's beautiful. Um, fortunately, can't do it this time, but I'm starting to get uh, the passion back. 
No, oh, good. I'm I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear that. It's uh, it's actually interesting too that remember we we're talking before at this show. You've actually seen some people from your local area flying here in your, in your new local area that's in Virginia. Yes, uh, I moved to Virginia, and uh, the Virginia's um, aviation department was here, and uh, reached out to them. They gave me some. Um, suggestions on airports to fly out of and i'm going to start looking into it and start uh, getting back into the air that's terrific and as a matter of fact one of our new field reporters and occasional co-host here is bill english and he also uh hails from the virginia area and uh welcome to the deck bill you've been doing a great job of course you've probably heard him on the podcast doing some of our interviews Having a good time, I hope. Oh, it's great out there. Uh, yeah, just like Rob checking out all the airplanes. I've got a crick in my neck from looking up all the time. Uh, but yeah, beautiful weather, roving all around, checking this stuff out. It has been a beautiful week. A lot of good stuff out here to see. Yeah, and, and also our, our, our wonderful friends out there. Uh, the way this show goes, when we're live on the deck, we have some topics. But we also have friends from social media that come to visit us during the show. And we'd like to you know, have all those people from all the different podcasts and also the vloggers and, and that type come up and and say hi and tell us a little bit about what they do because we want to spread that social media and that uh, podcasting and vlogging uh, love that's for sure and actually Doobie Davenport is actually someone that's that's going to be passing through here fairly shortly and it's going to come up on the deck and we've had him on the show before uh, but before we do that uh, a couple things we uh, we're going to go till about 7 30 tonight if you're streaming this on the internet we're going to have a live show that's the night air show and unfortunately, I didn't get to see the whole show. I can see a little bit now that uh, from my house because I live close by. But uh, I was wondering, anybody get to see that show last night? I think, Larry, you guys were actually watching it out at the campground. Yeah, we were out at uh, Camp Radioactive and uh, enjoyed looking up and seeing the show. It's, uh, it's pretty spectacular. Um, and you know, we had it on Wednesday night, and it'll be again tonight. Uh, fun to see the airplanes with all the lights on them and pyro and all that. And you know what's really cool is watching that Sonics jet, I thought, uh, with all the pyro. Well, honestly, all of them. Uh, but what was your favorite one? Should we? Well, I'm, I'm partial to Sonics. So the Sonics jet with the uh, LED system on it is amazing. Um, I always like uh, Matt Yonkin. Uh, oh, you know, yeah, and, that's and cool. His airplane is just, you know, it's lit just a, completely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah quite, it, it is. So but, th- th- those, are, those are a couple of my favorites. How about you? I mean, Russ, you're oh, Matt Yonkin. I mean, it's, it's just amazing. The whole thing's yeah. lit up. I think it's great. Yeah, I, I, I love the, I love the little, the little jets. But that's me. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, if you haven't seen a night air show, it, it's just something like you, you've not seen before. It's really <laughs> incredible. And you know who we, we have someone on the deck who's, who's busy actually videotaping right now. But we do want to get him up on the microphone in, here in a minute and, and just say hello. So don't go away, Dewey. We do want to, we do want to chat with him. So anyway, the. Uh, the uh, next person we're going to have on the deck is uh, somebody from uh, the U.S. Coast Guard. Uh, actually, it's going to be somebody that's that's been uh, oh a real inspiration to a lot of folks, and uh, uh, especially those that are learning to fly. And uh, out at the air shows, th- what's really cool about this is the fact that we get to see a lot of our friends from social media. We get to see people that uh, we never actually have met in person. And make sure when you come up to us and you say hi, uh, you tell us who you are and uh, what podcast you've been listening to. Of course, this is the Stuck Mike Avcast, but we have a sister podcast, Aviation Careers Podcast. And uh, that's really, it's inspirational, it's informational, and, and, and it's just about aviation careers. And uh, one of our listeners actually has joined us this evening and has uh, he has a very special role in the aviation world, especially inspiring some of our, our military Pilots, John Lee, welcome to the deck. Thanks, Carl. Thanks for having me. 
Hey, you know, one of the things that we, we had talked before, actually through email, et cetera, uh, on the show, and there's a lot we're going to discuss here if you got a little bit of time as far as careers and uh, and in the military and, and thereabout. I mean, there's careers in the in the airlines afterwards that are just terrific, you know. So just a, a quick, just tell us who you are and where you're from and what you're flying. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm uh, Lieutenant Jonathan Lee. I'm currently at uh, Pensacola. Flying the T-6 Bravo, training uh, Navy, Coast Guard, Marine, primary flight students on for uh, the next chapter of aviation. And then um, prior to doing that, I flew H-60s for the Coast Guard for two tours out of uh, Clearwater, Florida and Elizabeth City, North Carolina. Flight school in uh, Whiting before that. And I was on a ship for a couple years before that. Well, cool. What's interesting is you've gone a transition from uh, rotary to fixed wing. And uh, I think that's that's pretty neat. But your mission is also uh, a couplefold. You're also the public affairs officer for for your squadron there. So you get to go out and, and meet and greet and do some really cool events like here at uh, Sun and Fun. So could you tell us what exactly you're doing here at Sun and Fun and what you've brought in today as far as number of aircraft? Sure, absolutely. We um, as the public affairs officer, it is pretty neat to uh, be able to get out and uh, have have a couple opportunities to do things like this and. Uh, we do normally take instrument level students um, to cross countries, we call them, and basically it's, it offers an opportunity to get out of the local training area and stretch our legs a little bit, give uh, some real world flying experience, and uh, give some good training as well as uh, have a neat little experience coming out to a place like uh, Lakeland, Florida for Sun and Fun. Oh, yeah. You know, let's go to the U.S. Coast Guard and their mission and the flying that you've actually done. It's it's quite interesting. A lot of people think, well, gosh, that would be the coolest job in the world, but uh, I don't know if I could do that. You know, it's uh, it's it seems really neat in the videos. I love watching the videos, especially when you get to save people, and that's got to be like the coolest thing, getting out there and actually saving lives. Absolutely. I mean, it, it is probably one of the you can't quite describe it in words. Uh, the, the feeling uh, that you have when you pick somebody up, you know, and obviously I'm not necessarily doing the picking up. The rescue swimmer is, and it's a whole crew effort. And when you get out there and, and you see the people after you drop them off, and, and uh, it's it's pretty pretty great experience. Yeah, I gotta imagine it's uh, one thing too. Also, is the U.S. Coast Guard is a, a different community than most. Uh, one thing I have found in speaking with people from the Coast Guard is they never want to leave. It seems. It, it, why is that? I, I mean, if you if you can throw a rock towards some sand and find some ocean and have a pretty decent uh, sizable city nearby, you can probably find a Coast Guard unit nearby and uh, probably helps out. Uh, our, our quality of life is, isn't terrible. Yeah, it is an incredible quality of life, having worked with a lot of the folks at the Coast Guard and helping with their careers and actually moving towards other careers in the airlines, et cetera. Uh, one of the things that I would love to point out is that anybody can do this if they just go out there and try. Uh, you know, I, I know quite a few people have gotten into the Coast Guard said they don't think they could ever imagine flying a helicopter doing those missions. But you're not going to know until you, you reach out and try that. But how do they do that? I mean, how do they find out about the U.S. Coast Guard and also those careers? Absolutely. I mean, I'm a, I'm a case in point. I, um, you know, grew up immigrant family and had no idea what the Coast Guard was until my senior year of high school outside of, you know, Baywatch episodes or uh, <laughs> I grew up on Long Island. So I had a uh, small boat station all around, but I didn't know that I could go and be a pilot. Um, but, you know, I went, I went to school my freshman year. They were like, hey, what do you want to do when you graduate? And I was like, oh, I'd like to go back to a small boat station. They're like, well, I don't think you got the memo on what you're supposed to do when you graduate. And uh, you're not going to be able to do that. And I was like, okay, well, what is the tip of the spear for the Coast Guard? Search and rescue is our bread and butter. 
Uh, and to be able to accomplish that mission, uh, I decided that that's when I wanted to really pursue aviation and becoming a helicopter pilot, uh, a search and rescue pilot. So it wasn't necessarily a the aviation piece, but the search and rescue piece that I could affect. And to be able to do that, um, there's, there's a couple of methods. The Coast Guard is kind of different from the other services in that we have OCS and the Academy. We don't have too many other ancillary. We don't have ROTC or, or things like that. So um, we do have some programs that tie in to a kind of similar thing, but they're, they, they change names all the time. Uh, but the two big ones is basically you graduate college and then you can put in a uh, package for officer candidate school, 13 week program, you graduate with a commission, uh, or you can apply to the academy out of high school. And that's, uh, you know, they call it a 200 week leadership laboratory, uh, four years, you get a degree and, uh, and a commission. The other aspects are if you enlist, you can go ahead and put in a package for officer candidate school as well, and then uh, go become an officer that way. And only officers are pilots. So how much of a commitment is that to the person that's thinking of getting involved? It is, uh, if you go to officer candidate school, it's three years commitment upon completion, and it's another eight years from the time you receive your wings if you get a flight uh, contract. So it's uh, 11 years total. If you go to the academy, it's 13 years total. So how much do I have to pay for my flight training? Zero. Well, okay. blood, sweat, and tears. Blood, sweat. Yeah, exactly. I was waiting for that. <laughs> <laughs> so you get paid, too, while you're being trained. This is a part of the military that's important to know is that when you go in, you're basically employed by the government. And from day one, you're, you're getting paid to do this. Absolutely. And, uh, I mean, it's it's pretty good job uh, to be <laughs> able to get paid to fly and uh, and. It's, it's a great job to have when you're actually, you know, after you get your wings, accomplish that mile, milestone. And Coast Guard Aviation specifically, I mean, e, e, we're doing our jobs day in and day out. That's outside of the quality of life piece. It's the mission-related piece. You are affecting the mission pretty much every day. I'm kind of curious about the transition from helicopter pilot to fixed wing because you had no flight training beforehand. Is that correct? Oh. You, went, you went in with no flight experience I went in uh, prior with to helicopter? No. So um, all Coast Guard... Aviators go through Navy flight training. Uh, it's a joint pilot program, and we go in at NAS Whiting Field, and every Navy Marine Corps Coast Guard pilot starts off as a fixed-wing aviator. Okay. Um, I trained in T-34s, but now we're doing T-6s. You take about 76 to 80 hours in the aircraft and another 30-ish hours in a simulator, uh, all combined by the end of the, end of the program in, in primary training. And then from there, you select into whether you're going to go rotary, multi-engine, jets, and then get advanced training from there. So going back to fixed wing is almost like going back to your, your roots or something, I guess. It, was, it wasn't a big deal. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it goes a lot faster. We're, we're cruising twice as fast as, uh, as I did in my 60. And, uh, sure. and you can't hover. So uh, it's a little bit of a different, different sight picture, a little different mentality in terms of, uh, obviously, 60 also had two engines. Uh, we only have one. Now, so uh, but it glides as opposed to having to auto rotate. So different mentality shifts. Uh, it's not quite like riding a bicycle, but you get there. It did come back. Yeah. So okay. how far off uh, offshore do you go in, in something like your mission with the training? Is it primarily onshore that you're doing with the T six? Because obviously the other aircraft go offshore. Correct. Uh, in the T six, we don't really do much offshore offshore training at all. Honestly, we have to be uh, within dead engine glide if we are going to go anywhere offshore, but uh, 9 out of 10, you're going to be within 25 miles of the coast, 12 to 25. 
Yeah, can you just, what kind of uh, fixed wings can people go into? You know, we've all, I think, probably seen the C-130s. What else is in the Coast Guard fixed wing fleet? As a Coast Guard aviator, you can go and become a C-130 or a C-144 or now a C-27 pilot. So a C-27 is an Italian product. Uh, it's kind of like a mini Hercules is what it was billed as. Uh, I believe, I, I don't remember which company actually bought back the rights or something, but it's not Italian anymore. Uh, either way, it was an Air Force program loan, right. so we got the aircraft from them. We have about 14 of those that are getting into the process of becoming operational. And, uh, and so we have three fixed-wing aircraft that you could uh, potentially feed into. Okay. And those are pretty sophisticated glass cockpit airplanes, uh, right, the C-27? Yes, uh, all of them are uh, glass cockpit uh, outside of the C-130H, which is the uh, legacy Hercules. So th- those are still steam gauges. Oh, okay. The C-130J, the C-27, they have HUD glass cockpit. Ah. We're looking at pictures as it, you know, the, I wish yeah, this was yeah. a, a video was podcast. Yeah, it's <laughs> pretty, quite amazing. Cool it looking aircraft, like though. Yeah. Nice. Hey, do you mind if we back up for a second as far as the Coast Guard's concerned? Because I think some people don't understand their mission. Uh, so, in general, could you describe that mission? And uh, obviously, search and rescue is one of them. But there's, there's many things that they do, the Coast Guard in general. And there's many careers. Absolutely. There, there are very many careers in the Coast Guard. We, we have 11 statutory missions uh, provided by the federal government. I won't list out all of them. Search and rescue, obviously, is, is the main one. Homeland security, uh, maritime protection and security are, are the kind of big things. So um, call them fish kissers or, or duck scrubbers kind of thing that, that you know <laughs> help protect against maritime pollution and, and, and marine life. And that's uh, it, pretty big as well. Because sometimes I like to watch those videos, and I see those those cutters that go in and kind of break up the ice and stuff oh, yeah. like that, and they use them, I guess, in Alaska, Antarctica. Is that true also? Mm-hmm. We, we do have an ice-breaking component as well. Our fleet is kind of aging, and uh, not to get too negative on the, on the podcast. <laughs> so, we won't go there. <laughs> uh, if anyone is listening with Deep Pockets, Coast Guard would yeah. appreciate some more new ships and, and aircraft. That'd be great. Well, we've seen some uh, videos, too, of some new aircraft you've got, or at least new, new to the Coast Guard and high-tech. Some of the ships now are equipping with Scan Eagle drones, right? Yeah, that's, uh, that's still a program that's in flux right now, some Scan Eagle stuff. UAVs we share with the CBP, uh, kind of code sharing, if you will, um, so, some of the uh, asset hours. So if somebody is interested, again, they can go to the website to look at these different careers. Because I mean, if you're in administration, you can get into the Coast Guard and do that. You're serving your country, and we do appreciate that, and we appreciate everything that the Coast Guard does. Uh, I think people don't realize, too, that it's more than just the U.S. I mean, you help out some other countries, and you've been on some missions that are overseas, and uh, as close as, say, the Bahamas will be one, obviously, uh, and then even uh, far as far as overseas uh, they've gone. During uh, one of their missions, even during the, the wartime, especially during World War II, is some of those were converted to some of those ships to, to World War II ships. Like, uh, I'm trying to remember the name. It's called the, the Taney. That's up in uh, Baltimore, in yeah. Baltimore Harbor, which was actually uh, a ship that had a friend serve on. His father served on that same ship in World War II. Uh, so that that is another role that they have in the Coast Guard. So you can be called to actually uh, get involved in certain conflicts overseas, too, possibly. Absolutely. The uh, the Coast Guard has actually been in every conflict that the U.S. has been in. Uh, we support the Navy for, uh, you know, we have escorts out in the NAG right now, the North Arabian Gulf. Uh, patrol boats have been over there helping out es- uh, ship escorts and, and things like that. We also do Southeast Asia, uh, the Caribbean, as Carl mentioned, 
uh, helping out there. Uh, one of the big missions is the operations Bahamas, Turks, and Caicos, where we uh, have an alien migrant and drug interdiction uh, mission component there. That's a lot of work. I know I, I watch you guys out there and, and really appreciate having been down the Bahamas for quite a few years. And hats off to all that you do. Uh, interestingly, uh, the reason we're actually talking today, let's get kind of to that, is uh, you have actually uh, were a listener of the podcast and uh, found us. Uh, I think it was uh, Aviation Careers or Stuck Mike. Which one did you actually listen to? Uh, I started with Aviation Careers, started listening to Stuck Mike in conjunction with Aviation Careers after finding out about the ACP and uh, been trying to catch up with as many podcasts as possible. Yeah. So there's a lot of folks that have questions about the Coast Guard, and uh, we would love to forward them to you. And I know we talked earlier that it'd be, it'd be great. Feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. We always talk about that email address. And we'll, we'll forward them on to Jonathan Lee. And, uh, and I really think what you're doing is terrific, and the mission is amazing. Uh, one other thing we didn't talk about, though, and quickly, is that after the Coast Guard, there, there are a lot of people have careers afterwards. So uh, what do people look towards after they do leave the Coast Guard? Is it primarily in the fixed wing or is it the road of craft? It, it really all depends. I mean, uh, with the aviation industry itself changing so much, uh, basically th- there's just like uh, anyone that takes their own career decisions and their own personal life choices and, and figures out, hey, I want to go do something totally not aviation related. Uh, I want to go back to doing Coast Guard related type, you know, on the ground, supporting uh, troops out in the field kind of deal. Or um, fixed wing aviation uh, as an airline pilot. Or uh, a lot of folks also, helo background, they did med flight, uh, life flight, oil rigs, th- those, kind of, those kind of jobs as well. Uh, Jonathan, anything else you want people to know about the Coast Guard before we uh, close here with you? Uh, GoCoastGuard.com is uh, it was the website for recruiting, and uh, Coast Guard Aviation is probably one of the biggest <laughs> hidden secrets. Uh, anyone over at uh, Whiting Field will attest if they had known about uh, the ability to become a pilot via the Coast Guard, they would have snapped that up in a heartbeat, vice, uh, whatever other service that they're in. Looking for a career in aviation, a career in the military, look at GoCoastGuard.com. So please check it out. Jonathan Lee, again, thank you for your service, and thanks for uh, joining us here on the deck. And hopefully you'll keep listening, and we'll be reaching out to you. That's for sure. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Carl, and uh, Stuck Mike Cast. All right. Thanks so much. Thank you. We're going to be bringing uh, Dewey Davenport, our next guest, on the deck here. And uh, But before we do that, we just have a, a quick shout-out uh, from Russ. Yeah, that's right. Uh, while we're getting him set up here, I just want to say, you know, it's, it's such an interesting event here at it's son of fun. And I was listening to a presentation, and then I was talking with somebody afterwards, and another person overheard me talking and said, I know that voice. And then he <laughs> saw the shirt and said, you're on the Stuck Mike Avcast. And so, yeah, this was one of our listeners. So a shout-out to Ben Davis, who's one of our listeners from Atlanta. from Atlanta. It was great meeting you. And uh, we've had an opportunity to meet so many of our, our listeners and, of course, the fascinating guests. It's really been a great, a great time out here. Uh, go ahead, Carl. No, one of the things that I think is terrific is getting those selfies, stuck Mike selfies. Yes, remember we, hashtag we got stuck one Mike of those as well. Selfie. Yes, you yeah, bet. yeah. And notice I said hashtag. They're training me. I am trainable. We're working. I, I'm on a little it. older, but I still have figured out this this uh, this uh, thing called the hashtag. By the way, we're going to have Dewey Davenport come up here on the deck, and then after that, Michael McClellan. He's actually a really interesting. Uh, person and has been helping out and volunteering for the first time at uh, the uh, Sun and Fun radio deck. So first up is going to be Dewey Davenport on the deck. If you remember, we had Dewey on on a past episode, and Dewey is actually, well, he's the only barnstormer that I know of that's actually actively 
barnstorming, and I think he's one of the few barnstormers out there. And uh, we'll lead into some of all the, the other things that he has uh, unique in his background. But but usually you see him on the Internet, on YouTube. He's a vlogger. Dewey Davenport, welcome to the desk. Thank you, guys. It's a pleasure <laughs> to be here. You know, one of the things that I love about your videos is they're so inspirational. Uh, the videos that we're talking about, well, maybe you could describe what it is you do on your vlogs. I think it's really cool. Uh, well, I, I'm kind of all over the place with them, but uh, a lot of them's day in a life, uh, being a pilot, corporate pilot, uh, being a barnstormer, also eating at certain restaurants in different towns and things like that. But it's it's really just like giving some people a little hope and inspiration to actually go out and fill your dreams, work, because if I can do it, you can do it. And um, honestly, I, I've seen a lot of people do that uh, recently. Just today, I had a guy come up to me today. Said he started flying because of me. Awesome! And he had two little oh, kids cool. with him. It was it was unreal. And um, my friends with me, uh, they got to see it and everything. So we're pushing the needle, getting people interested in flying again. I think that's terrific. Very good. Very good. I think that's what we're all here for, right? It is. It is. Yeah. yeah, we're all definitely ambassadors to aviation. But that corporate, let's talk a little bit about the corporate flying. Obviously, we're not going to talk about the specific company. But uh, what's really cool about your videos is you don't just talk about the uh, the good. You know, you talk about some of the challenges. Um, and you give really an inside look into that corporate aviation field. Uh, what type of, by the way, what type of aircraft do you fly? And uh, what do you think is, is your favorite part of this job as far as flying corporate? Uh, well, I, f I fly a Challenger 350. And what I, I think the most favorite part is the travel. Um, I've kind of always been on the go and all over the place. So uh, I think that's one of the, the things I enjoy. I get to meet a lot of friends that I've met over the years while I'm out, you know, staying at different towns and cities and things like that. So. That's one, one thing I, I enjoy about the flying, and, and also I just enjoy the challenge of some of the weather that we fly in. I think that's what all pilots enjoy is a little bit of the thrill. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and you get to go to some really cool airports that are different than your buddies over at the airlines. I mean, you get to go down to, say, like the Bahamas and stuff like that and to different places and stay maybe a little bit longer. And uh, in airports that we couldn't shoehorn, say, a, a big 737 into, which I think is quite cool. Yeah, that's one thing I've, I've got to do uh, lately. I mean, we're in the mountains. We're into islands. We're into Mexico, Canada, you know, just all over. And we never have a set schedule. So you just really never know where you're going until you're almost going there. So, Dewey, your background is, is such that you, uh, it, did it come easy to you to just jump into aviation? Did someone give you an airplane and you go out and start flying? Or how'd you get started? Uh, I started with model airplanes when I was seven, building little plastic models, rubber band airplanes, then RC. And really in high school is when I started flying full scale. I was a senior in high school. My parents let me go, started flying J3 Cubs. And I'm a little bit different than a lot because one thing, I, I don't have a college degree. Um, so I, I came that route. So I, I don't see myself going to the large major airlines, but I've had a very successful career and and very blessed so you know i've worked hard i mean all of us have worked very hard in our career to get where we're at and um, and that's kind of where i i've kind of began is uh meeting friends uh helping me get the jobs that i had and have now and uh, i kind of encourage that to everybody just keep uh meeting people rubbing elbows and continuing on 
You know, one of the things that changed your life, I don't know if we want to talk about it here on the podcast, you can tell me yes or no, is uh, you had a lot of experience uh, over in flying, and uh, I think it changed your perspective on life, and I think that is a big part of who you are. Uh, you can maybe, if you want, describe some of that and, and tell us why you do what you do. Sure. Well, you know, I, I was furloughed, and I took a job overseas as a contractor. It's gone for about four and a half years. Uh, for most of those four, four and a half years, I was gone. But, um, you know, I've always dreamed about barnstorming and owning a biplane, and that is really uh, why I was over there. It, it was kind of like this goal, this dream I had to to work towards. And when I worked towards it and, or, you know, I was able to buy a travel air, start my business, and I would dream about it while I was over there. Um, my parents helped me out a lot. Uh, while I was gone, taking care of my house that I own and, and things like that. But uh, I knew I had to get where I was at. And barnstorming is like a freedom. You know, back in the 20s and 30s, barnstormers lived free and and they never really knew where they were going to go. But it's, it's kind of like this uh, nostalgic experience that we all kind of dream about. We read these books and we all want to kind of want to do that and that's kind of what I wanted to do since I was a kid and and I'm kind of doing it now you know it's it's a lot of stress and and since I'm working full-time and then I'm trying to barnstorm but uh, I've still I'm living free because I'm doing what I want to do and making people happy I, I think you mentioned you started to mention uh, your company your barnstorming company and I, I think we definitely need to talk a little yeah. bit about that we uh, did a a whole in-depth interview with Dewey and uh, Stuck Mike Gavcast episode 145. So uh, please, listeners, yep. if you want to hear the whole thing, please go back and check that out. But uh, Dewey is really a modern-day barnstormer. And unfortunately, I missed that episode. I wasn't there for it, which was unfortunate to me because I used yep. to live right near you. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I, I flew out of Greene County Airport, oh. <laughs> and I taught out of Wright Brothers Airport just down the road. So I'm sure we know a lot of the same people. Oh, yeah. I pumped gas at Wright Brothers as a teenager. I mean, all through uh, pretty much my senior year and after, I've worked line, mm -hmm. uh, worked at Clinton County. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I have a grass strip in Jamestown, and that's where I keep my airplanes. But uh, there's there's a handful of barnstormers that's out there that travel around, hop and rides. You know, Rob Locke right here in, in Lakeland is really a true barnstormer. Uh, he's been doing it for a very, very long time, very successful. And seeing him and Ted Davis uh, and a couple other ones, it, it kind of gives me the inspiration. It, and uh, Ted Davis has been a big mentor for me, and he's out of Wisconsin. But, uh, you know, with you being in Greene County, that's, I live in Xenia, grew up I, in Jamestown. Absolutely. <laughs> and I'm really the only one around in the whole area. And when I started this business, uh, the people that I was working with overseas and things, they were just like, are you, how are you making it? Are you surviving? Are you doing this and this and this? Because you got this, you know, 1929 airplane. Well, I tell people, it's just passion. You got to work hard. You have to have this dream. You have to read these books and you emulate what's already been done. It's, I'm not rewriting anything. I'm just doing what's already been there for me. And, and I tell you, it's been very, very good to have the travel air. And then I was able to buy this new standard. There's only eight new standards in the world flying today, Man. and I have one. And um, that thing is like a Rolls Royce when you're flying it. I'm telling you, it's a beautiful airplane. But the Travel Air brings huge uh, history. Um, I'm learning each and every day, and I'm able to teach while I'm out at these events and meet 
you know, people from, you know, two or three year old kids to actually people that was D day one. And uh, so we have a common bond that I've been able to share. And it's it's been a great thing. And one of the things that I think that you share with a lot of young folks is that passion and uh, through an example, too. I mean, there truly are, what, a handful of barnstormers out there and possibly maybe now or in the past the only African-American barnstormer that, that we know that's out there. So uh, I think you're, you're actually a good example to that demographic, too, which I think is incredibly important because they need to know that, yes, they can. And we all need to know, yes, we can. Yeah, that's, you know, just... Uh a week ago, a week and a half ago, I was invited to Ohio State to do a pilot panel with OBAP. Oh, but, yeah. They have an OBAP student group, and um, it was myself and a couple other airline, major airline uh, guys there. And uh, I tell you, uh, seeing them and talking to them, and it, it's very nice to give them a lot of different perspectives uh, from the corporate world to the airline world and actually military that was there. So... Um, you know, I've been very blessed to be able to share that, and, and it's it's really fun getting emails and messages because people want advice, and right now is such a great time to fly as a career. The opportunities are a lot better. You know, I'm, I'm young, but um, for people that's my age and even older, it was much more difficult to get a job than what it is right now. You can get a job, and it's, you know, it, it it's... Uh, they pay well. <laughs> you know, you can survive on your pay. <laughs> so And buy airplanes. Yeah, yeah you buy airplanes. And, <laughs> you know, I've sacrificed a lot. Uh, you yeah, know, I don't have yeah. kids and I don't have a wife. So, uh, you know, a lot of people say, man, when do you ever get home? When do you ever rest? And this is kind of my, you know, my family, I guess. Yeah. And we think your family, too. And that's been terrific. And we love to share your stories. And by the way, OBAP, for those that don't know, is the Organization of Black Airline Professionals. It's, they cover all things, uh, that being just not just pilots, but mechanics, everybody in the airline business. It's not just flying the airplanes. There's so many other people and so many other careers. And that's, I think they probably stress that at this panel, too, is that there are other people out there that want to go into these careers. Yeah. Uh, a couple of the students in the class were actually just uh, aeronautical engineers. So... Uh, and that's one thing about aviation. It's not just being a pilot, but, man, there's dispatchers, there's mechanics. And, you know, in the corporate world, I believe they said there is 1.3 million employable, you know, people that is in the corporate world. So that's a lot of people. And now we have the airlines and things like that. So I think that, you know, there's so many other realms that you could take if you don't want to fly. I just love flying. Yeah. Don't we all, though? Don't we all love being around <laughs> airplanes, too? It's just incredible. Some of us like tinkering and fixing them and not just flying them. You truly have been an inspiration to me, though, that's for sure, to keep going with all the social media stuff, too. I see we've all had kind of the similar struggles, et cetera, and, and that's been, been awesome, man. I, I love what you're doing out there and what you're doing for everybody and, and everything. Uh, we didn't talk about your website for the actual airplane rides. And, yeah, I can't believe you haven't brought that up I, yet. I know. I, I've been remiss. I'm looking at his T-shirt saying, oops. Good uh, folk and old-time biplane rides. Uh, it's gobiplanerides.com, and uh, you could Google Dayton biplane rides or something like that. And so gotcha. it's primary, It's in the Dayton and uh, Columbus, Cincinnati areas where yep. you, you spend yep. most of your time, right? Yeah. Yep. My YouTube channel is my name. Is your name? Yeah. Okay. And that would be? Dewey Davenport. Davenport. <laughs> yeah. Right. And you guys, yeah. I'm, I'm an open book, so you guys can write me or whatever and try to give you some advice and 
go from there. Cool. Awesome. Well, we got uh, someone else coming up. Michael McClellan is going to be up next on the deck if Russ could go get him and prepare him. But the, yeah, and uh, I'm going to go talk to Dewey about anybody gonna, we know in common. I know. Too, I was so, going to say right, it. So as give Dewey me a comes, minute. But, but I might first live we, in your old house. <laughs> we want to say thank you so much, Dewey Davenport, for coming up on the deck. We're going to bring up uh, another guest of ours, Michael McClellan, and it's uh, been terrific talking to somebody so inspirational, someone who's done something so unique and has had uh, struggles in the past, overcome them, and now is not only a corporate pilot, but also a barnstormer, which is uh, pretty cool. One of the very few barnstormers out there, and also, uh, like I said, the only African-American barnstormer that's out there at this time. Again, Dewey, thanks so much. Coming up on the deck right now, we have Michael McClellan. Hey, man, it's great to see you. Thank you for volunteering for the Sun and Fun Radio this year. Well, thank you, Carl. It's been a pleasure to work with you guys. I tell you what, now, I've never seen a group of people that was more welcoming to somebody such as myself. I'm, I'm not used to get, being able to come back somewhere twice in the same day. Yeah, in the same yeah, right, in the same year even. But the uh, but Michael, you know, you have a really interesting story. You've actually been out here at Sun and Fun for a few years, haven't you? Yeah, this is my 18th year volunteer. No, this is my 19th year, I think. Vol- yeah, it is volunteering. 19th? Yeah, wow. I started in, um, and I've done a various number of jobs, everything from counting planes to um, for about. 16 years I've been a commentator over there, at, um, and I do that around the country at other fly-ins as well, and I do some other stuff as well. Counting planes? Yeah. yeah. Well, How did what, that go? Well, I had back surgeries. Um, I had some back surgeries in 97, 98, and so I come out here, and I, I, I started flying ultralights in 98, in okay. 88, sorry. 88. In 1988, I started with a pterodactyl, fledgling pterodactyl, Jack like McCormack. Yeah, well, actually, previous to that. Really? It was okay. the early model with a non-steerable nose wheel. Ooh, and um, Jack McCornack design, um, repaired it with Naga hide from, a, from an upholstery factory because I had no idea what Dacron was. It was just this fabric, I thought. Mm-hmm. And um, I found, and I live in Valdosta, Georgia. I go to a little airport in there. And um, you would see these ultralights just flying in a continuous line following I-75 because, you know, ultralights back then, they flew with IFR. I uh, far wait a minute. You can't fly an ultra. I follow roads. Oh gosh, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, fell so into I, that one. Yeah. So I, I went. You know, I, I came here, and um, and saw other people doing the same thing I was, and I just fell in love with the whole thing. You know, you know, I, I've always loved flying. I live next to an air force base, <laughs> and so I'd had these back surgeries, and so I I couldn't walk around, and so I I started volunteering, so I would have some place to go and still be at the show. And a job, a job, yeah. So you said you were in the military, and the no, I was just, not. Just in, okay, the uh, because I know I know you've been at a, quite a few military fields and watch airplanes out there, and absolutely, and, and just love flying. But I think you took it to the next level, didn't you? You decided that you uh, <laughs> actually. It was funny because I was looking at one of his arms, and uh, I wanted to know what direction to go the other day, and he kind of showed me. He had a compass rose, and I was like, he said, go, go that way to the north. And then if he moved again, it, it <laughs> went uh, the opposite direction. I was like, how do you know where you are and which way you're going if the compass rose is tattooed onto your arm? Well, sometimes I do find myself in a spin. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> Interestingly, though, I looked at his other arm, and I said to myself, hey, wait a minute. That's your name, and those, that's an identifier at the top. What is that? Well, I, I, it's just a tattoo of my um, of my identifier from my airport, Seven Golf Alpha Two, cool, and my pilot's wings that I got. I got the sport, the first sport pilot certificate in fixed wing, as a matter of fact. Really? Yeah. Wow. What was that like? I mean, trying to go through that. It process. was in, it was intense. It yeah. was way harder than a sport than a, than a private would have been. Um, I trained with Ron, I, I tested with Romki Sikama down there, and the, wow. the FAA had just signed him off about two minutes before he signed me off. And what was interesting about that is, you know, somebody's got to be the first. 
Yeah. Um, Romke had to sign the FAA off, and then the FAA signed Romke off. Chicken and the egg? Yes, and it's they basically made the chicken and the egg at the same time. At the time. same time, all right. Yeah. But it, that's it's been that's a, an omelet then. I've had a, I've had a good dinner. <laughs> I've had an incredible experience yeah, here. Man, I've, met, I've met tremendous people. I was able to be in some magazines with Jack McCormick and them. Really? Yeah, that was and John Moody, um, the father of ultralights. I, I moved over to this area last year because I'd, I'd, I'd been in that box over there commentating for about sixteen years, and um, and love those people over there. They do a great job over there. And Gary Fordell is the chairman of that area, and he's or the director rather. I was the chairman of ultralight um, commentating, and they all do a tremendous job of keeping, you know, that the light aircraft alive. And I just wanted to see the show finally. <laughs> <laughs> I know the feeling, man. I know there's an air show out there, right? yeah. but they keep me chained up here to the deck. Well, and but even after doing this, I was even snagged a couple of times to do a couple of the air shows for the GA side during their show. And and they should, too, because you have a great voice. What You did some interviews. Now, tell us a little bit about that. I mean, you got some really cool stuff out there. I mean, what, who are the people you got to meet? Well, I cheated this year. I kind of skated a little bit. This is my first year with Sun and Fun Radio, and I really wasn't sure exactly what all how all, what the process was. And so I just went out there, and, and I found people that already knew their story. And, and knew that people would love hearing their stories. And so I did some great things. I did Abed Farouk. He flies um, a gyroplane, and he gave us the history of gyroplanes starting in 1923. 23? Actually, Sikorsky invented the helicopter based on the gyroplane. Wow, and his grandson is still around doing interviews. That's pretty cool. That, I didn't know that. That is pretty impressive. Yeah, Sikorsky is. And the, you know, one of the things that I, we don't understand is a lot of times the gyroplanes, light sport, what that is, and uh, why would we even think about getting our light sport instead of our private? So give us an idea why why you did the light sport. Well, actually, like a lot of people in my situation, light sport came about. Air, um, part 103, F, Federal FAR 103 came about with the, when they designed, they just strapped a an engine john moody was the first person to do that to strap a mccullough chainsaw engine to an easy riser frame that he, he purchased the plans out of the back of national Ge- or popular mechanics rather took off a frozen lake bed in minnesota the faa come in these things started getting really prolific they did far 103 trying to um make them you know where they could have some control over them and they were just exploding people were just the the market was just exploding people were excited about them and there was everybody it seemed like every day was put somebody was putting out a new product chucks lazar's that came to came to oshkosh he he gave away his idea for a reduction gear that allowed us to swing a larger propeller with slower rpms and give you more torque with the same horsepower and it revolutionized the industry Mm -hmm. well then we had an exception for training two-seat trainers and they and you know how it is. If you, if you give us an inch, we're going to take a mile. <laughs> but so, a lot of training happened. A lot of training happened, yeah. And so what we ended up doing is we ended up building some really nice two-seat aircraft for training. And then there got to be a lot of them. And so the FAA took a look at it and, um, and said, you know what, we need, we need to make a rule to get this, to bring these people back in. So they did the sport pilot rule. And it, it wasn't exactly what we wanted. We wanted something a lot, a lot better. The sport pilot classification, it's, it's not that much different than private. Um, there's some, you know, you can only, you can only fly with two people. And, um, and it's, it, it really was a way for the FAA to, to keep track of the people that were basically flying. And I think one of the concerns in the beginning was possibly the safety of the sport pilot and uh, the differences in the medical standards. And we found, and I'm sure you know, that that's, there hasn't been any compromise. As a matter of fact, they have a great safety record, don't they? Yeah, they, we use a third-class medical. 
which is basically a driver's license medical. If you can drive an automobile and operate a car, then they feel then the FAA feels like you're safe. You're safe enough and medically require, medically capable of flying an aircraft. The up to um, I think thirteen hundred twenty pounds with two people, and up to one hundred thirty eight miles an hour. So when you go from the sport pilot, say someday somebody wants to get to private pilot, there's a transition there. There is, and it's it's the same license, but it's just like going from single engine to multi engine. It's just a rating. And some of those hours, I know people talk about this. We've heard this on the podcast, especially in aviation careers. Is uh, I talk about making sure that you log your time properly and to not log anything less than 50 nautical miles as a cross country because you're looking at towards getting your actually ATP. But when you're anything that's that's out of the local area from here to point A to point B, we have cross country flights even at the airlines that are 15 miles. Uh, we can log that. But when we go to, to our, get our ATP, we have to make sure that we're, when we apply for that license, we make sure that we write in there that's over 50 nautical miles. And, and I tell people, make sure you have that column that states if it's over 50 nautical mile cross country. I was wondering if that's something that you had to do when you were going through your licensing process? Well, actually, several years prior to that. Okay. There were three different organizations that I was aware of that offered, um, that offered your DAR, Designated Airworthiness Representative. For lights, for uh, basically ultralighting, that was the USUA, the EAA, and the Aerosports Connection (ASC). And I started logging my time as soon as I found out that there that that there may be an opportunity to get my license. And so I was actually able to use that logbook time towards my private my, my sport pilot certificate. Well, that's good to know. I know we were talking about that before one day over a adult beverage here at Sun and Fun a couple of years back, but. Uh, we're talking about logging time in general. You can log anything anytime you're out, right? Yeah, it's, it's, you can it's not what they say. Log, log yeah, what you want. Log but, what you want, yeah. but that doesn't mean you can use it for Be your careful. for your further ratings. That's right. for sure. Well, you know, one of the things that we that we're doing uh, that I was doing here is I was trying to I was trying to do the right thing and trying to fit inside the regulations and achieve my dream of flight and do it legally and responsibly. And these organizations that I mentioned previously, they helped me do that. So let me ask you this. How do you like actually, now that you're not stuck over there in the light sport and uh, not stuck, I mean, that's cool, but how about out here? You've been in the field. What, what's it like here at, at Sun and Fun now that you know that there's something other than the light sport in the back? Well, you know, previously when I would, um, when I would do the shows in the morning and then I did a show in the evening, um, I, the only time I would have an opportunity to go was when during the air show. And you couldn't, you, it was hard, it was very hard to talk to somebody or go and interview somebody um, for some information about their product. While, ever, while the air show was going on. So this is really nice to be able to go ease around. I work with, um, with, Dave, with Dave, and um, these are some really nice guys to yeah. work with. And so, I mean, I basically, I'm a roving reporter for, for Sun and Fun Radio, and I'm loving it. Yeah. Who, how about uh, some of the interviews you've done? Uh, what are some of the more interesting ones you, you've talked to and some of the, maybe the more interesting products you've seen? Man, I've been busy. Yeah, I know you have. I've been busy. <laughs> There's one guy, and I, and I forgive, forgive me for not remembering his name, but he built a uh, PTA, uh, a pitot tube system for um, for an aircraft, and you can listen to my my my, my broadcast on um, Sun and Fun Radio, and it's streaming on liveatc.net/snf, and you can listen to those all year long too. Exactly. Well, he built this auxiliary pitot system with the, that plugs into your um, into your iPad, and so no matter what aircraft you're flying, even if it has no instruments. It logs and records your the data that it that it receives, airspeed and our engine RPM and all this other stuff that mm. you wouldn't have an opportunity if you were flying like a steerman. And that was mm-hmm. a very nice product, That's and cool. it was it was really nice to see that guy developing this. He's a young guy too, which most of these guys are. 
and it was nice to see him, you know, putting a product out there that can really be used. And, you know, if you've already got a glass cockpit, that wouldn't be for you unless you want another redundant system. But if you're flying an ultralight or a Stearman or a J3 Cub, you know, an original Cub, then those recording capabilities or archiving capabilities are really nice to have. Oh, yeah, that's for sure. You know, we actually have those in a lot of different formats, archiving of different data. Uh, but that sounds like a really cool system. Just in general, in airplanes, it's going that way in everything that we do. They're recording everything, which is kind yeah. of scary. And it was a, it, yeah, this is true. <laughs> Some of the things we do, speaking we of karaoke lately, we don't want to be recorded. Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, it's funny because we, uh, flying for, say, the airlines, you know, they always get, you know, yelled at for doing certain things, and it's always recording what you're doing and sending information back to the mothership. And we're always worried about, oh, we better not do that. We better not say that because we'll get in trouble. The, the cool thing is they're not streaming what we're saying in the cockpit yet. And, and we don't. It's have, a matter of time. Yeah, it is a matter of time. No, no video as of now, but uh, you know, it's really been cool having you here. And it's interesting that uh, just I want to talk a little bit about your airfield. I know you did some great interviews out there. Uh, why did you start your own airfield, or, or you know, it must have been an interesting process. Well, actually, I, I'm I was naive enough to not <laughs> not to believe everybody didn't have one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I say, I was I was unsupported in starting my starting my ultralighting, and you know I just went out and bought this thing out of the out of a shopper's guide for eight hundred dollars, and in nineteen eighty eight started flying in a field, and then and graduated up to the ADL airport, started flying up there. Had no idea that there were rules about flying, <laughs> and thanks to these organizations that I later joined, that I found out that I'd been doing a lot of crazy things that I should not have done that were really, I'm really ashamed of it now. And we won't talk about it. Well, it's important for someone to find a training, right? And not try to not not make the same mistakes that some of us guys have made. Sure, yeah. you because know, there's some great organizations out there that have some really good safety records for training pilots. But I just, you know, it's like everything else. You know, you just go through the process. I I went through that. You know, the FAA works for the DOT, and so I started with the DOT, and I, I already I actually I bought an existing airport that was never um, that was never um, put on the federal registry. Really? Yeah. And um, it was just a well, grass field. They've been flying pipers out of there for years. Yeah. There's nothing that prevents them from doing that. Yeah. It's your well, you property. Know, I think there's different states have different rules as far as when it has to be at an airport, when it doesn't. I felt like the safest thing for me to do was to go legitimate on it and not try to, you know, because, you know, you see a lot of these good airports being closed down around the country. Mm-hmm. And even back then you did as well. So I thought it would be a... You know, I thought the, the smartest thing to do, is very similar when you want to drive a car, first thing you do is go out and get a driver's license. Right, you sure. don't need one. or you, you don't have to. You know, you need one for the government, but you yeah. don't have to have one to operate the car. Nope. So I felt like the same would hold true for my airport. I wanted to be as legitimate as I could. And that way, and I, I even had T-shirts made up, and I gave them to the county commissioners and people that lived around me that to let them know, here is McClellan Airport. We're operating light sport and ultralights out of this airport. You know, if you have any problems, come and see me, and we'll take care of it. McClellan Airport, is that, uh, it's a private airport, is it public use? It sounds way better than it is. Wow, that's a mouthful. Imagine a a long skinny strip with grass on it, and once in a while you'll see an airplane. And that's a private airport, public use? Yeah, no, no, it's not public use, private use. Okay, private use. So this is a private airport. Yes. So if I want to fly in, I better not, because once I land, you might come out there and... Maybe run me off. I tell you, I couldn't imagine not being able, not being, not being glad to see somebody coming through. And a lot yeah. of our vendors and stuff come through, and they'll camp at my place. Um, you know, because I've got some RB spots out there just that I put up just for just for friends. Right, right. And so I'll have nice. people um, come through time to time, and then some people land, and then you know, I'm always willing if someone needs a hand. 
you know, and they're coming through my area and they need a hand, you know, the airplane's tore up or they need a place to stay overnight. Right. You know, whatever we can do for our fellow pilots. We appreciate that. You know, having a private airport is, there's got to be some challenges along the way. I mean, keeping it open, you know, we get, you know, people complaining about the noise here, et cetera. And I mean, how many times do you fly in and out of there? About. I don't want to talk about that because I need to fly more. You need to fly more. And I have some people dropping in from time to time as well. But, but the people around me, they know I'm there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I try to be a responsible citizen. And so I, I really appreciate the people that live around me that, that, that let me live my dream without interfering with that. So this is located in what part of uh, Long in, Island, based on your accent? <laughs> Valdosta, Georgia. <laughs> oh, Georgia, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I get that Long Island accent a lot. <laughs> Valdosta, Georgia, if you're in that area, gosh, you know, we'll, we'll look you up, maybe stop by, maybe possibly land on your grass strip if you'll let us. Just call ahead of time, right, with any well, private airstrip. You, you, can, um, you can email me at, at, um, at mcclellanairpark at live.com. Um, we're not a commercial airport. We don't, you know, support any commercial Okay. In endeavors, we're just a, I'm just a guy that enjoys flying and um, and that does air show commentating and um, and that wants to pay it forward. Cool. Anything else you want us to know about uh, any of your other endeavors as far as how they can get in touch with you? Say we'd like you to come to one of our air shows. Where well, do we like find I, you. Like I say, the same the same the same email would be would be the case. I do some product development, not product development. I do some voice work for different products. I've done a lot of commercials. Um, so you've got an airplane that you. Um, that you you're from a different country and you'd like to have it in you know represented in this country and you want somebody with the with um without an accent <laughs> and so you just give me a call and um and I'll do the voice work for you or if you've got a, a, a I've done some um I've done Patty Wagstaff for her a couple of times and um I did the Titan T51 for um smoking Bill Colino oh for, smoke um, about, yeah the 51 or 75 percent yeah that thing's awesome it is an incredible aircraft. what a cool show too um I was doing that show a couple of years ago for him I've done it a number of times and there was some F22 Raptor pilots up there and as as he went by he says my gosh I would love to fly in that airplane and I said if you're serious I can make that happen so while while Bill was in the air I texted him I said I got F22 Raptor pilots that like that would like a ride and when he got down he was tickled to give those guys That's a ride cool. same thing happened this week when we we're doing the b-17 out there the guys that were doing the b-17 the batcopter came by you know coming in for the morning and the guy says man i'd love to fly that so i hooked those guys up so that they would swap some rides back and forth and eugene knock that, that flies the original batcopter mm-hmm. 1966 batcopter he also has the original batmobile as well he was tickled to give those guys a ride in his batcopter and you know he was glad to ride in that B-17. Oh, I'm sure he was. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to get in that uh, B-17. Just a, a neat bird. Yeah, I got left uh, out of that deal a little bit, I think. Yeah, well, hey, you can get, join, right? This Remember is true. Air Force. And if you uh, donate enough and you donate your time, you can yeah. actually get a chance to ride in one of those, maybe even be a pilot of one of those. I think that would be awesome. That would be a great thing to do. Well, if you don't mind hanging out on the deck for a little bit longer, we'd love to have you. We have another guest that's coming on here. Uh, Michael McClellan, we, we do appreciate everything you've done, and also for the first year volunteering here at the deck and at Sun and Fun Radio, but it has been a volunteer for almost 20 years maybe going yeah. on pretty and, soon. And, and believe it or not, they've already asked me back next year. Yeah, I was surprised about that. I um, really was, yeah. too. They haven't listened to my interviews yet. <laughs> no, no, neither about No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> He's doing a great job from what I heard, and uh, the cool thing about his interviews, you really don't have to do much editing. As a uh, matter of fact, is a super friendly person, and uh, I think that comes out in all your interviews. So we do appreciate what you do here. It's fun and fun radio. Well, thank you, Carl. Well, joining us on the deck here is uh, Joey 
Dollywall, who's actually an, also a pilot. Uh, he flies uh, small airplanes, too. I see a Cirrus aircraft on his shirt there. Hey, welcome to the That's deck, correct. Joey. Hey, how are you? Yeah, we talked earlier. I know that. And nobody's really been able to hear that interview. But but before we get into that part of aviation, we, you know, so these folks don't know who you are yet. But uh, what I'd like to know is what do you think about... Uh, you know, the air show this is your first time at Sunnyfly. This is amazing. Um, this is a lot of fun. And so I'm only here for the day today. I flew in uh, late last night, um, and yeah, I need a whole week out here. I should have came out here on Tuesday. I mean, I mean I've, I've seen everyone from little kids to, you know, guys my father's age, I mean, from all parts of the world. And, uh, I mean, it, it's been awesome. Everyone's so friendly. I've already made friends out here and seen all type of uh, airplanes. I think we were on the fives out there and saw a rush hour. Everyone's kind of, I think, leaving before a little bit of the storm comes through. But uh, it, it's been great. It's been great so far. Did you say storms are coming? How do you know that? Uh, let's look at the weather. Oh, my God. You know, I have not even looked at the weather. Everybody's saying there's rain that's coming. Yeah. I don't believe them because it doesn't rain on Sun and Fun Radio. Yes, we have this great that, awning. That's because so we, yeah, we have an awning. That's covered. why it doesn't rain on us. Yeah, you shouldn't have come here Tuesday. We needed it. <laughs> we, we definitely did. Yeah. Joey, we, we spoke earlier, and, and something unique about Joey is that uh, he, I like to say he does make people's dreams come true in a certain way. And uh, the one way he gets to do that is uh, he enables people to become airline pilots. And, uh, and we really appreciate that. Joey actually is the uh, Senior Manager of Corporate Communications at Commute Air, Commute Air Airlines, and also a friend of, of the podcast and has been uh, wandering out here. And I know you, you asked me this question before, and I, I told you the answer to it. And I'd love to hear what you think now is, Carl, do pilots come here that are interested in going to the airlines? And I said, yes, they are. And uh, I'd love to hear your experience there as far as when you were walking around. So, yeah, I mean, uh, the airlines that were here at the, uh, in, in the boots, the, they had um, a substantial line there. And, yeah. um, you know, I saw kids um, and even adults. I've heard chatter even when I was in one of the, uh, um, the vendor lines about, hey, you know, so-and-so is doing on-site interviews. So... Uh, I think it's a great opportunity for for pilots to come here and interact with um, with the regional airlines. To uh, even you know network building, it's huge, uh, and so- sometimes it's a little easier to do it here than a traditional career fair because you get that one-on-one interaction with some of the recruiters and some of the uh, their management staff there. So, no, I definitely agree. I think you're going to see uh, a bigger presence of commuter next year. Good. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad you'll be coming back. Of course, uh, over at Polk State College, we we're hopefully going to have a, yeah. a, a better relationship. We haven't tied that up yet, but we, you've been helpful in the past with us, and I do appreciate that. And all the materials you've given to to the students that are there, uh, it is those partnerships with the regional airlines that I think are so important for these for these students at the schools and also for the schools because we can learn at the colleges at the college level from the airlines, their training process, et cetera, and how to recruit people. But getting to why you, we talked today earlier, of course, nobody's heard that interview yet. So uh, one announcement that uh, Commuter has, uh, before I, I make that announcement, just let people know, first of all, how much someone's going to make their first year at the airlines. It's a lot different than when I started. It was $14,000 a year. I think that's a, that's a little, his eyebrows go up. That's a little lower. So add 60000 to that. So the starting salary now is 74000 Wow. Um, for a year one first officer. Big difference. Big, big difference. Yeah. Very good. Very attractive. Now. Well, the planes are metal now, aren't they? <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> 
I didn't have to hand prop them all. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you don't have to buy your own leather helmet. Right. Exactly. I can see him in the goggles. Yeah. <laughs> now it would be able to fly airplanes that are, are actually younger than me, which will be cool, you know, and, and that'll <laughs> be nice. But uh, the airline that, that you're with, Commute Air, actually has uh, all jet fleet now. They started off with turboprops. And, and actually, uh, just a little history here with Commute Air and myself, uh, you know, I used to represent the furloughed pilots at uh, one of the regional airlines, we'll say, and uh, we sent a lot of pilots to Commute Air, and they all were very happy, wonderful people to work with. That was back when uh, you were up in New York. Uh, yeah, at a different mm-hmm. Right, ex- yep. at Plattsburgh, New York, and now they've moved their headquarters to? Cleveland, Ohio. Cleveland, Ohio. They were flying, uh, back then it was the 1800D model. Mm-hmm. I think it was, and uh, before that, I think it was what the ninety nine. Oh right. man, it was. It, it, this is going yeah, back. Yeah, even before my time. Before, yeah. before you were uh, born. I was, yeah. I, was I, I remember you guys. <laughs> I, forgot I used to fly was. up in the Northeast. <laughs> okay. there. Yep. Remember your old ninety nines and nineteen hundreds. Awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah. But what's what's cool about Commute Air is the fact that it's a family organization. I've been working with the same people for almost twenty years going on now, and they've been always proactive in helping people out and helping people get jobs, which is really cool. But some. Something that you're doing, and I know that that seventy-four thousand dollar. Gosh, really? Anyway, mm-hmm. so that seventy-four thousand dollar mark is is pretty high. But there's something else that's really cool, that's unique about Commute Air, and I think you already announced it before. But explain that to us again. What we're doing to help our our rotorcraft folks out there, and also our veterans that are transitioning from rotorcraft to the airlines. Yeah. So recently, we uh, we created a rotor transition program called the uh, RTP. And what it is, it takes your sign-on bonus of $22,100, and it uh, helps uh, our military rotor pilots convert their rotor license into a fixed-wing license since, um, you know, there is a pilot shortage. So we're offering um, our veterans, when they come out of the armed forces, to fly for our growing airline. And um, the unique thing about our program is we're allowing our uh, rotor pilots to train from their home base. We're not sending them to predefined locations uh, across the country. They get to stay home. They train at home while spending time with their families, and they can uh, train while uh, they keep their uh, current responsibilities in the armed forces or their current job. So they accumulate their hours, and uh, we're offering that transition to fixed wing so then they can start an airline career. The cool thing about this program that's totally different than the other ones out there, and I really want to stress this, is the fact that most of the folks I work with that are coming out of the rotorcraft programs from the military, they're telling me, gosh, you know, I don't want to have to go away. I just came back. It's going to be an extra cost finding a hotel room, et cetera. They can stay home. That's they correct. can stay home yep. and actually do their ratings at their local airport. That's a huge difference. Yep. And, yep. You, and know, you know, they've already spent so much time away from home, and now they can train at home without sacrificing family time because you know life on the line you know you are spending time away from home already so while you're training we allow them to train at home at their flight school at their local flight school and we're also extending our program to civilian pilots so it's not just uh, the military rotor pilots it's also civilian rotor pilots that may be flying for various companies or you know such as uh, hospitals or local news stations or conducting yeah. tours in large cities now they have a chance to take advantage of our growth and uh, fly for um, fly for our airline the folks that are actually in the civilian world that are roadcraft pilots they're ones that will say hey listen this is just too expensive for me to do this transition this is what's going to help them so what do they need what are the minimums they need to do this so they um, they need their commercial 
um, and they uh, all they need is their rotor rating. Um, so a- after they have that, then they can uh, start building just like anybody else um, to uh, to the fixed to the fixed wing world. So the the military guys have already the time. They usually meet most of their time. They just need to transition over to a fixed wing. So it's a uh, it's an efficient and an affordable way for them to convert their uh, license to a fixed wing license and uh, f- and fly for us. Three of the things that most people look at when they're looking at a regional airline. Uh, number one, amazingly enough, these days is location. Remember the old days? It didn't matter where you were in the world. We're going to take that job. The other thing is pay. And the next thing is upgrade time so I can get my pilot and command time. Something interesting about Commute Air is that all, you fill all those pegs. For most people, the last two I t- mentioned, most definitely. I mean, we're talking from the time you get to Commute Air to the time you're at the majors can be as low as two years, I think it is. It can be uh, two years. Um, our quickest um, pilot that went from us to the uh, to the majors to United was two years and ten days. Um, so it, it's a very quick time frame because our growth um, is requiring pilots. So we're tripling the size of our fleet um, of all jets, and as we uh, bring on more aircraft, more pilots are needed to saturate those block hours that the United wants us to fly. So that allows for pilots to sit on reserve for a very short period of time, uh, generally five months or less, some guys even three to four, and then they have a line, and then they can accumulate their 1,000 hours in the right seat in about 13 to 16 months, so 13 to 18 months sometimes. And, and you know, it, it requires a little bit of effort on your end, on the pilot's end, but our guys are eager to get that PIC time because as soon as they get that PIC time, then um, they can go to United. So quick upgrades, and then our United requirements, uh, 1,000 hours. So you have 1,000 hours in the left seat, you're eligible for uh, the Career Path program to United. We're talking to Joey Dollywall, who's uh, with Commute Air, and he's a senior manager of corporate communications right here on Sun and Fun Radio. We're at 15, 10 a.m., 788, and you can live stream us, liveatc.net slash SNF. Joey, this is a, a great conversation. We, we're going to continue here. That you know, One of the things that I think a lot of folks do look at, too, is the possibility of a career with a regional. You know, there's some people I think that you've noticed that are a little bit older thinking of getting into this. We were having this discussion earlier, I think. Someone came up to you and said they were like 50, 51, something like that, and is thinking about going to a regional and hanging their hat there. Do you have any folks that are possibly there for a career at Commuter? Absolutely. So the one, the one, um, the one thing that separates ourselves from other regionals is our family culture. You know, so we we embrace everybody. It's been a very uh, it's been a great pilot group. I mean, there's awesome guys to fly to fly with. So, you know, we uh, we embrace everybody. It doesn't matter, you know, how old you are, what's your background, and um, you can easily make a career uh, just staying at Commuter. And if you don't want to go to the majors, if you want to stay um, with the regionals, or you know, if you are. Um, a, l- a little older and, and, and you're just second career guys and we've gotten a lot of those guys who, ju- who just want to tick something off the bucket list and, and we'll take you. You know, our growth is going to sustain us for many, many years and uh, it, it will be a great career for, from anybody regardless of what their age and their background or their goals are. And we're going to see you back here next year, right? Absolutely. Yeah, that's cool. I'm going to be here. Yeah, because you're going to spread that word that you're telling us here. Because remember, this is Sun and Fun, and we're trying to encourage people to go into careers, young folks. And hearing that encouragement is something else. I remember, you know, when I was younger and probably you were younger, you never would think to go to an airline in two years. I mean, uh, when I was starting out, 6,000 hours just to get on with a regional. Uh, Nowadays, 6,000 hours is much more than you need for a major airline. Yeah, it's hard to imagine. You know, when I was when I was first started out 
you know, when I was younger, I, I, I didn't even I didn't even think that was even possible to fly for an, air, for an airline. And I've seen some of my friends that have come along and, and have done it. And it's just amazing, you know. And that's that's one of the problems that we don't do is we don't follow our dreams. We set our goals too low and we don't follow through. And that's one of the things I like about shows like this is you're able to meet people who have done what you thought was impossible. And it's actually not even, you know, it's really not even hard. Right. You know, there's a saying like, like about eating an elephant. I know everybody's heard it. You know, you don't look at the elephant. You just look at the next bite. And it's not right. even an elephant. You know, it's, it's a hamburger. It's a hamburger now, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, that, and, that's, and that's, the, uh, that's what I want to do. That's why I want to come on uh, shows like this and podcasts is to, to explain to people that, you know, we are here to help you follow your dreams. You know, I have uh, airline blood. My mom's been with United for 26 years, so I've always had someone to kind of guide me through my life, and and we just want to offer that to the aviation community. You know, the young aviators out there, hey, pursue your dreams. It's it's not out of reach. It's very easy to um, to get on and make your dreams come true. And and right now, our airlines particularly offering uh, all these incentives and programs in order to make that happen. So, you know, you can go from flying with us to flying with the uh, uh, major carriers and, and and really a record record time now and and that'll uh, that'll make a lot of uh, uh, young aviators' dreams come true and, and get them into aviation. You know where it starts? It starts with the young eagles. Yeah, it starts with that you know, with that kid that lives down the road that that always asks you about aircraft. You know, and uh, you know you take that kid flying and give him his first experience and let 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 the rest of the community help you with that and build from there. And I think all those, the Young Eagles programs, all the Young Eagles and all those programs that are out there, because, you know, we talked about this, about women in aviation. How do we get them started and changing that paradigm uh, to stop calling people female pilots and just start calling them pilots? We start when they're six years old, when they're Young Eagles, when they're young people. And the Young Eagle program is a wonderful thing. That's exactly right. Yeah, it really is. Well, Joey, this has been great having you on the deck. Before we have our next guest up, I want to make sure people know where they can find you because they're listening over the Internet right now. Uh, I think it's pretty easy. It's at uh, commuter com right? Correct. And you have many different jobs out there. And this program that you're talking about, is, are they going to be able to find that on that website there? Yeah. They'll be able to find everything from our, our RTP, our Rotor Transition Program, to our United CPP, all on our website. You can also follow us on social media on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram, and also uh, airline uh, airline apps and Airline Pilot Central. All our information is there, and uh, feel free to throw my contact information out there. If people want to reach out to me directly, we'll guide them into the to the right people and, and be able to help them out. Someone with 100 hours, can they talk to you? Absolutely. Anytime. Okay. Great. That's awesome. Anytime. I, I want more people to know that with, even if you have 100 hours, Joey's going to talk to you. The airlines yep. will talk to you, and I think that's terrific. Even if you're thinking about getting into aviation, yeah. we'll, we'll help you out. And then help you steer you in the right direction, Absolutely. which I think is really cool. It's, it's awesome, this outreach that you have here. Jolie Dollywall from Commute Air, uh, Corporate Communications, and uh, just an all-around good guy and, and uh, avid pilot, too. I think yeah. that's cool. So, Joey, thanks so much hey, for being here thanks on the guys. Day. Appreciate, Appreciate it so much. I'll see you guys next year, hopefully. Yes, definitely. Yeah, we'll We're going to have you back in the booth here. And, of course, oh, we should mention, too, there's that career fair. And hopefully we might see you there for JSFirm.com actually puts that on. Okay. Thanks again, Joey. Sounds good. Joining us on the deck right now, too, is uh, another podcaster. We love to have as many podcasters as we can uh, because uh, we do want to spread the podcast love. 
and uh, one of the first aviation podcasts, one that I actually started listening to. Uh, and uh, I remember, I can't remember now that, which uh, state you're in, but we won't mention that. I remember the, uh, <laughs> the, the lake and the cold weather, that's for sure. So Jack Hodgson from New the, Hampshire. Yeah, from New Hampshire. New Hampshire. Yeah. But uh, welcome to the podcast, uh, Uncontrolled Airspace is who I'm talking about. Congratulations on 11 years of podcasting. Thank you very much, Carl. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's a, one of the podcasts that inspired many different people to start listening to podcasts, and that conversation got going. Uh, I remember you had uh, quite a few people on there, and you had some really... Uh, the people that are accomplished in the aviation world. I don't know if we can talk about their day jobs. I think we call it Ken, like Jeb. I don't think you... Yeah, well, Jeb, yeah. And, Jeb and Dave, my two partners on, on Uncontrolled Airspace, are, are full-time professional aviation journalists and have been for many, many, many years, And uh, which is a nice way of saying they're old. And yeah, they're, many, many, many years. I yeah. love how he said that. Yeah. They're experienced. They're experienced. They're experienced. That's right, yeah. So they're, so, serious, they're serious aviation full-time professionals. Um, I actually have a day job in another, another industry, but... Uh, but, but this is more fun. This is, oh, this is much more fun. It is much more fun much being more here fun. The, amongst a bunch of aviators and enjoying right. and loving aviation. Yep. So tell us a little bit about UCAP and you know what can we expect and uh, you know what type of podcast is it? Is it general aviation? Is it news? Yeah, it's um, it's not news. Okay. Um, uh, although we do use the news as a as a sort of to trigger to get us uh, you know starting talking about various subjects. Um, you know, we watch the news of the day, but we don't report the news. You shouldn't be listening to the podcast because you think we're somehow reporting the you know the the stories of the day. Um, but we will talk about and sometimes comment on, but more likely use them as a springboard to go on to just relate other experiences we have or talk about other things that are going on in aviation. Um, we're a, we're a, a hangar flying podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, we get to, not at all unlike Stuck Mike. I, I mean, you know, um, you guys skew, a li- in my impression is, you guys skew a little bit more towards training all right, than, than we do. And we, just, we stay away from training, um, if only because none of us are CFIs. None of us are qualified to train in flight, um, Jeb is a is a ground instructor, but uh, um, but that's really not what we're trying to do. We're, we're cheerleaders, is what we are. All right, we are all about trying to communicate our excitement about aviation, and and we do that by just telling stories. We we basically do what pilots do when they get together and can't fly, and that's talk about flying, hangar flying, hangar flying. Exactly, yeah, yeah. it's a lot of fun doing that too. Yeah, yeah. So so I like to say we're not news. Well, okay, here's what I say. I say, we're not news. We don't do news. We do history. I say we talk about things that have happened in the past. We try and record our experiences. We try and collect the oral histories of other people's experiences. Um, and, uh, and that's one of the things I like best about I mean, We've got quite a catalog uh, of uh, back episodes now. And some of, them, some of the stuff we've talked about over the years is now dated and probably wouldn't be all that interesting. But a lot of it is still, you know, I don't know, timeless is a very highfalutin word, but, but it's, it's interesting all along, you know. And uh, um, it's amazing how many of our early episodes still get listened to on a regular basis. Never ceases to amaze me. Episode one gets downloaded multiple times, not necessarily daily, but multiple yeah. times throughout the week. Every week, um, because and I think that's partly because we've gone out of our way to make it stuff that wouldn't be uninteresting later on. Yeah, I mean it's definitely evergreen content, and uh, mm-hmm. one of the things that I've noticed too over the years is is how things have transitioned. I love to uh, go back 
and, and listen to some of the older podcasts mm-hmm. out there. You've also had some other occasional guest hosts on there and mentioned those people's names, too. Yeah, well, um, uh, we have two semi-regular hosts. Um, uh, myself and, and Jeb Burnside and Dave Higdon are the three regulars who appear on almost every episode. And then uh, Amy Laboda and James Winbrandt will occasionally also fill in either as a fourth or a fifth or, or, or filling in for one of us who can't be there or whatnot. And so, uh, and those are the regulars. And then we've got a lot of friends who have appeared on the podcast, you know, once or twice here and there um, over the years, particularly when we come here and, and, and when we're doing episodes from the other big fly-in up the road, um, we'll have lots of different guests come in and, and, and share their experience. We always call it the other big fly-in up the road. We do that out of respect for Sun and Fun. That's what I do, yes. Yes, and that's a good when idea. I'm, and when I'm up there, I refer to this one as the fly-in down the road. Down the road. So, yeah, right. so, yeah the north, the south thing. Yeah. And we're going to hopefully see you at that other fly-in this year. Oh, yeah. One of the things that I, I think that you guys have done well is, is put out that content over the years and have that conversation and continue that conversation. It's like a bunch of friends hanging out and mm-hmm, uh, and, mm-hmm. and continuing the, the hangar flying. You're up to episode, I think you said, one for 449. 449. 449. On, uh, wow. Yeah, the yeah. podcast today. Uh yeah. Does it say? Oh, that's right. 449. 449. 449 is the dailies that we're doing. So the way we do it is is our regular episodes have a discrete number. Um, and when we come here into the other fly-in, we do a, day, we do a shorter episodes every day. Um, and rather than do episode number inflation and give each of them their own number, um, we, we pick one number and then call them Alpha, Bravo, Charlie, Delta, etc. Right? Who, who would do who would do episode yeah, number inflation, yeah. Carl? We, we so. found, we, found we, it confused our audience because yeah. we so, didn't know what ABCs. Uh, I'm pretty sure our audiences are very similar in, in nature. Well, I figured this would work because it's kind of like uh, ATIS letters, you know? It's like... Gotcha. Uh, all right, gotcha. Uh, you know, it's like... And, and when, we, when we first started doing the dailies, I tried to, to, to kind of... The, the whole affectation of you know you've got information alpha you know or something like that right. we don't do that idea. anymore yeah. we don't do that anymore but yeah. but pilots probably know letters and we refer to them as alpha bravo charlie you know and and that kind of thing gotcha, um, gotcha. so yeah for uh 4 and then tomorrow morning here from the deck exactly where we're sitting now um we will uh broadcast and record 450 wow 450 450 episodes yeah that's awesome, man. That's terrific. Uh, also, uh, here at Sun and Fun, you've been out. I think you were shooting some video or something, weren't you? That's me personally. That's not UCAP. Yes. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm, you know, fascinated by video. We, I mean, I, we, obviously, we've been doing audio very successfully for a long time now. Um, but I, I like video as well. I, I certainly watch a lot of, of uh, online video, um, you know, both aviation and other subjects. And so I'd like to try and do that myself. But I'm, I'm, a, I'm a student of that. I'm trying to learn how to do it. And, uh, I, you know, so I, I've been posting... A few things here and recording a lot of things when i was here a year ago i just drove myself crazy trying to produce something every day a video every day in addition to the podcast which we did every day you're nuts um yeah and and that was that was too much um last year and so uh, both both at the other fly-in and here this year um what i've tried to do is is publish a few things but mostly i'm just recording i'm videoing a lot of things and hopefully over the next you know month or two or so i'll i'll package up all kinds of little you know views of of sun and fun 2018 that's totally cool. I tell you, we've uh, been doing a daily show since the last air show that started right before Sun and Fun, and and I, and even just the, the audio has been a pain. I mean, that was just uh, I didn't realize I've been up all night just trying to get out those episodes every day, and and realizing how much editing goes into yeah. it. And you know, I'm up till midnight doing those every night. Well, how long and are then, your daily episodes? Uh, an hour. Oh, and, you, oh. Yeah, or an hour and a half sometimes. Hour and fifteen. Goodness so we, gracious. Yeah, it's a little, and that's because what we're doing is all the interviews plus our openings and, and closing and out in the field. Uh, that 
that's uh, and but it's been fun. It's been a lot of fun mm-hmm. for us to do those. It's been you know it's actually been the most fun for me. And this is going to sound strange because I don't actually listen to all of our podcasts because I'm actually on it. But it's cool listening to a podcast. I'm not on the podcast, which actually might be attractive right. to some of our listeners. Uh, but <laughs> but it's actually all the other members here at Stuck Mike Avcast. I did one interview this year, and that's it. Only uh-huh. one interview. That's we, on that we appreciated your help, Carl. Yeah, yes. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I was chained to a desk here, actually. Unfortunately, the, yep. the deck really. But it it's been a blast. But the other thing we did was video, and uh, that was that had its challenges. So mm-hmm. it's uh, going from the audio to the video world. We did you know, live up at uh, Tavares at Seaplane uh, yeah. Palooza, and uh, keeping that stream going was, was quite challenging. Yeah, yeah, it's really, it really is. It, it, when I first just, you know, kind of stuck my toe in the water of doing video after having done audio for so long and being kind of comfortable with what it takes to do audio, you know, I thought, okay, you know, it's it's like twice, it's double, right? You know, no, four times. <laughs> yeah, right. It's not double. All right, it's I don't know what it is. It's four times. It's ten times. It's I mean, if only because it's really hard to be one of the subjects when you're doing video, when right. when you're the guy doing the video. When you're doing audio, you can be one of the subjects because you can hold the microphone, and if you're fumbling with things, it doesn't matter and you're always checking the VU meter and whatever. But when you're doing video, you kind of want to be a little bit more presentable and look a little less distracted. Yeah, doing video when you are the subject and you have no helpers is is a much different thing than doing audio. Somebody who knows a lot about that video is uh, David Allen, who actually started out with other people's airplanes, and uh, he's joining us on the deck here, and he's the one that was laughing about the the whole production of videos. You know, we started off in Stuck Mike doing quite a few videos for thepilotreport.com, and you are someone that knows uh, the challenges of putting those video productions together. It sucks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, but I thanks. mean, it's I, I I remember you were doing that last year, Jack, and yeah. it was it's hard to do. Yeah, I, I did it, almost one a day last week last year, yeah. and 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 it wasn't. I mean, on some what what was it? Um, uh, Carrie Fisher's Fisher, Princess Leia. Yeah. Um, the late Carrie Fisher was famous for saying that that she loved. They asked her, do you like being a writer? All right, that was one of her, her day jobs, so to speak. She's, do you like being a writer? And she said, she says, no. She says, I like having written, all right? But the process of writing, she hated, all right? Yeah. And, and um, you know, I love having posted videos. Right. right? But, but the process is, it's, it's very labor-intensive doing video every step of the way. So uh, I'm trying to get and back into it because, I mean, I used to do it a lot. And at, at, at that flying up the road and even here, um, it's 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 so much work just to set up the shot yeah. and to get enough shots to make it interesting like I have to I, I'm, I'm going to go and I'm going to you know get myself a bottle of water oh wait you know what that's an important part of Sun and Fun I should probably set up the camera yeah so but that I can have a good angle of me going and getting a bottle yeah. of water just to show that it's hot out here and we're doing this thing because I want to bring people into the experience. I want people to see what it's like to actually attend this thing. And best guess what? Sometimes it's hot yeah. and you need water. You need to put sunscreen on. And so I miss out on those little opportunities because I'm like, you know what? Screw it. I just want the bottle of water. Yeah. Yeah. It's, well, it's so video's, difficult. Video is harder, and, uh, uh, but I'm going to keep trying because, uh, ironically, I actually went to school for television production like a million years ago. Um, this is when when we we, we actually produced tele- television with with stone knives and bearskins, and um, <laughs> um, it's so much different now. But yeah, I'm going to keep doing video. You um, should, but it's fun. And it, uh, but that's me. That's not UCAP. Um, I do have some of my UCAP partners appear from time to time, but that's my project, not 
just so people aren't confused. You know, I think a lot of people don't realize, and a big shout out to those folks that do video, because that's how I got my start, was in video productions and TV, and we uh, we had a whole crew when, when I was live, et cetera. Mm-hmm. There was like eight other people working there, mm-hmm. so that person can get you that that bottle of water. Well, we all have, you know, limited budgets here as podcasters, so to have that crew of eight or nine on the show is, is quite challenging. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's really what you need. You need a whole crew of people to help out. Yeah. But that's kind of one of the reasons why I like the So going back to, to the audio and, and our dailies, um, I, I like our dailies being short. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's a, we, do, we shoot for 10 minutes. They sometimes turn into 15, occasionally 20 when we're really on a roll. But we shoot for like 10 minutes. Um, and we also make them very, very field, you know, very on location. We kind of, you know, the, the regular episode we do here from the deck, um, but then for the dailies, we'll wander someplace. We'll do it from the fish fry. As or we'll, you should. You know, and we'll do it someplace where it's loud. We've done many episodes from underneath the Thunderbirds while they're flying, or the Blue Angels, all right? <laughs> um, which we did by accident the first time, and we thought, oh my gosh, no, this will be terrible, but it was and, cool. But you got the greatest reviews ever. They're like, was, always do that from now on. Yeah, it was great. They loved yeah. it, you know. The very, very first time and this this is a long episode the very very first time we did a uh, an episode from from I'll say at Oshkosh up the road. Um, we were guests of the radio station up there, and they have a deck that actually overlooks the the flight line. At the time, it was right facing the intersection where all the airplanes were taxiing up and doing their run-ups and taking off. Right, and so for the entire hour and a half that we were doing that episode, airplanes, often big airplanes, are. St- parking right in front of us and doing these crazy run-ups t28s doing a run-up right so loud we couldn't hear each other and we're wearing headphones and we could not hear each other talking to each while we were talking all right and i'm thinking oh this is going to be a disaster this is going to be awful all right and it was loud but it was great it was great it's such great flavor um that we've gone back there every year um and i wish we could do it here i wish we could get closer to the flight line here so uh yeah, you can do audio things, you know, oh, but, yeah. you know, in loud environments, in odd environments. Oh, um, definitely. Yeah. That's what we love about all these interviews we're doing out in the field is the fact that you've got all that background noise of loud aircraft. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I was I was doing an interview that um, was on yesterday's uh, yesterday daily episode, uh, and the F-18 uh, demo pilot just happened to take off right as we were, we were doing it, and just, just the noise and doing the high-speed passes and everything, it was loud and wonderful <laughs> yeah and it, it just like you like you mentioned just the the whole atmosphere the ambiance sure, of the sure. thing was just amazing now we're actually going to do a listener suggested this to me and i don't i'm, I'm, I'm i wish i had thought of this because it's an awesome idea so um again when we do the flight line episode from oshkosh next summer all right um we're always talking about what we're seeing all right but we're trying to describe it because it's radio and we try and draw a word picture so that people can can visualize what we're seeing he said that's good keep doing that he said but why don't you just aim a camera at the flight line while you're doing the podcast all right and then produce a special video version of the episode that syncs what you're seeing on video with what we're hearing on the podcast. So when we talk about there's a B-17 over there, they can see the B-17. Or we say, you know, we often do like, we'll, go, we'll point out there somebody who's coming up to up the taxiway and we'll say, well, what's that airplane right there? And we get in a little debate about what airplane it is. Well, if they could see the airplane, you know, so we're going to do that for sure. We're going to aim a camera out at the flight line um, this time and sync it up. You know, there's, a a, special there's another idea you could do, um, and it, that the production 
difficulty goes up, and we're kind of getting in, you know, we're talking inside baseball right now, but you know what would be interesting is if you just had somebody with a point-and-shoot camera that could take a picture of it, snap, 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 and then when you edit the podcast, make a chapter, and that's the chapter image. Yeah. Because now the, with the, yeah, you know. know, everybody's going to that. You could have, you could say, oh, we're talking about the B-17. Boom, the B-17 pops up on no, the No, you iPod. certainly could. That's it is very labor-intensive. very labor-intensive. We, we've actually added chapter markers to uncontrolled airspace since the first of Lots the year. Lots of people are starting to do um, that. And, and I like it a lot, but we don't use that aspect. We just use it as a as, as a sort of an index, and, and it's clickable, so you can jump into the episode now right. to a particular area. You can add URLs so that, so that it's actually clickable to jump to websites, depending on what device you're listening on, um, and add pictures to. But, it, boy, that would be a lot of work. But, but it would look great. It, it would look cool. It cool, would look cool. cool. So we're doing a lot of things. Awesome, awesome. We're going to hear more. Uh, that's been Jack Hodgson. How can they find you before we swap out our next guest? Uh, you, you can go to uh, uncontrolledairspace.com is uh, where we have all of our stuff. It's where our home is, and all of our episodes are there. And uh, 449, tomorrow morning, 450 episodes are there. Awesome, awesome. Great job. Again, congratulations on the 11 years of, of podcasting excellence. Really Thank you. And congratulations it. to you guys, too. You guys yeah, are, you know, I, 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 you guys are too good. I hate you all. Oh, my gosh. No, don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> We're having a lot of fun, though. We talk about volunteers and having it all happen. I think a big part of the fact that we can do this, we have 11 volunteers here this year, and uh, and a lot of them are not here on site. There's a whole bunch of other folks out there. We've got a lot of more guests to get in here. We only have 30 minutes left. So, Jack, thanks so much again. Appreciate you and everything you do for aviation. That's been awesome, man. And we're going to definitely share, share some more shows with you in the future. Well, David Allen just joined us, and and uh, Ken Van... Oh, gosh. VR, that's going to be on the deck here shortly. Easy for me to say, and I haven't even been drinking yet. It's been too much of that uh, Red Bull stuff, I think, is, is the problem. That is my question. Why am I the only one oh, on the deck one. with an adult beverage? He, we just found one more, and that one Finally. more person is, is Larry Overstreet's joining us. Uh, hello, hello. I've actually had one of those uh, well, like adult beverages, but I have a lot of ca- caffeine in it. I and, see. And uh, that's really been charging me up. By the way, uh, before we get away from this, talking about the challenges of an audio show live uh, in the morning, boy, that was interesting. You're doing a live show every day from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Yes. Uh, and, oh, shoot, what are we calling it again this the year? The Morning Run-Up with Thank Dave you. and Mike. Yes, yeah. with Dave and Mike. The, I tried the, to get it Mike Dave, but the person who recorded the liners called it Dave and Mike. And Dave and Mike. Stuck. Yeah, yeah, it rolls better that way. I, I Okay. I'll, you know what? I, I disagree, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just defer <laughs> on that one. But sure, it's a, I, I just, you know, I don't need the credit. I don't need to be first. It's uh, The Morning Run-Up with Dave and Mike, uh, broadcasting to you live from the Sun and Fun Radio Mobile Studio, literally powered by our friends at Honda Generators. We have a great time. Somebody shaking their head in the background about that but the uh, <laughs> hey listen joining us on the deck is somebody we've had on the on the podcast before and, and you know of a, a friend of the podcast and pilot partner who's a, a real uh, great resource for uh, actually using logbooks logging your time and uh, keeping track of it and importing from many different platforms welcome absolutely thank you for having me up here I finally get to see the deck for the first time here in sun and fun and i'm really excited to be up here yeah and then we uh, engines in the background running that's a kind of a different uh, aircraft type engine that we're hearing back there and uh it's uh it, <laughs> but that's, takes a uh, that's not an aircraft that's, engine it, it's, yes it is the uh <laughs> <laughs> it's radio it's an aircraft yeah, yeah, it's on the radio it's an aircraft it's a p51 engine. mustang yeah that's a new light it's sport a aircraft that's uh what i forget what the name of it is the it's Porta the brown Pony. no okay no. we forget it <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> but again seriously hey welcome back uh what you've been doing with this uh, pilot partner has been pretty cool also uh, by the way we must make sure we thank you for what you've done this week it's been awesome the editing and getting the podcast and getting the radio station and those broadcasts out that awesome job there buddy absolutely it's been 
a completely different show for me, volunteering at the radio station for the first time. And I've really enjoyed the opportunity to listen to all the content first and build it. I've been editing all these spots, all these amazing amount of content that's been coming in. I get to edit it first and listen to it. And it's just been a lot of fun not walking around the show as much as I usually do. Sitting back in the dark room and participating this way. I'm glad you mentioned that because there's this room in the back. He called it the dark room. It literally is a room with no windows at an air show. Yes. So you really just can hear and feel the air show like those big jets go roaring by. Occasionally something big will fly by outside. I'll have to pause whatever I'm doing, run outside, look at it for a few minutes, and then go back. It's basically a shipping container back there. <laughs> and I'll go back in the container and go back to work. I, I've lost count of how many clips that we've pumped through this week. Oh, but. gosh. I am no. I, anybody have an idea? It's incredible. It, hundreds. I know it's hundreds of, all the, of interviews them. from all different all of people. Them. We have many different field interviews out there, and, and I think that's cool that you've been doing that and stepped up to volunteer this year. Thank you. The first and, year I ever volunteered at Sun and Fun Radio was 2009, and that was my job was to be back there editing and I did it for two or three years. I just edited, edited, edited. It is, it's it's tedious work, but we have fun with it because then you're creating. Like somebody went out with a microphone to the field here at Sun and Fun and they got audio and then you are producing it and then it shows up on the radio and it stays on the radio and it's just a really cool thing because you are doing something that matters. And every once in a while, you know, a a GEF 110 engine strapped to the back of an F-16 goes by and you have to run out and kind of look at that and then you go back and you go edit some more and it is a blast. Um, Speaking of the whole volunteer thing, uh, I didn't get it until I volunteered. I, ne- I I came here to Sun and Fun one day or two days, and I would never stay the night. I would never. I would. I would just come over for the day. It's a two-hour drive for me, so I could just do that. You know, you sure. you're, you're two hours away from that other event. You know what it's like. You just come and go. But the the first time you stay overnight, the first time you wait until after the air show ends and every the day crowds leave, and then you're still here and you see how much is still happening, and then you get involved and you find that neighborhood. Jack Hodgson, who just left, always talks about the first time you go to one of these big events is you find your neighborhood and you get plugged in with those people. That changes the dynamic of the experience of coming to Sun and Fun. And it, it did for me. I, I just can't imagine not coming to stay overnight ever again. Well, I actually liked it so much. I decided to buy a house at the airfield here. You off went the end of the overboard, runoff. but yeah, I don't I even think went, I don't want I, I don't think totally I think overboard. overboard. I think overboard is the wrong word. You, you went, went all in. I went all in. Yes, I definitely went all in. I love the show so much. I decided to buy a house here, right off the end of runway five, just a mile off to the left, and I get to watch all those airplanes come in and enjoy the the really cool sounds, just like we talked about. Are we moving Camp Radioactive next year to uh, sure, front lawn? Sure, we could a back lawn. Really, we just have a very small front lawn. Our backyard is much bigger, and it faces the Runway. We're going to need both. Go. Yes. We're going to okay. need both. Yeah, I'll put a big big sign on the top of the house. Uh, Homeowners Association, I'm sure, would not mind that, would they? Call it Camp Radioactive Annex. Annex, <laughs> that yeah. Way, that way. We, we have a swimming pool and free beer. Nobody's coming over for the free beer except for one person. Oh. Yeah, so. This is the first I've saying. heard. Yeah, well, that's why we said it the last day. That's why no one's coming. <laughs> yeah, I, I noticed. I I'm just getting within my eight-hour window here. And it's getting kind of close. So. And, 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 of course, Bill English is saying the free golf, too. And, you know, because we also have a little golf course in the backyard there. So we'll have to come over and play a little bit of golf. But I love it here. I love Lakeland. It's not really the reason we moved here. Uh, It's because of all the wonderful aviation that goes on in Central Florida. And it's been wonderful for our business, for Aviation Careers Podcast, and all the the scholarships that we provide in the career coaching. We actually had our first uh, guest fly into the show uh, and actually be interviewed 
flew in at like two in the morning, so that was kind of cool. And a 172 from from uh, Tennessee. Excellent. And I couldn't do that if I wasn't based at an airport. And that's what's been really nice. And being on the beach was cool, but uh, when people flew in, they had to come in, you know, like a float plane, and then had to dock them up at the beach. It was a real pain. That sounds amazing. That yeah. doesn't sound like a pain at all. <laughs> yeah, no doing it wrong. How many people have that though? I mean, that's the that's the thing. How many float planes are out there? And we realized, boy, that was that was a wrong place to be. Every airplane will land on the water once, at one least. time, yeah, once. yeah. And uh, some actually take off again, which is cool, and they call them flow planes or amphibious aircraft. Yep. But let's get back to Pilot Partner, which is really Can important. I just say something Go about ahead. Pilot Before, Partner? Yeah. One of the really cool things about Pilot Partner, and Ken, um, Ken, Ken gets a lot of questions. I kind of see some of these things because I'm, I'm kind of invisible in the background there. Ken gets a lot of questions about, well, why do you do this? Why is this particular thing this way? And what I like about it is Ken answers bec- with a usually Ken answers with well that's because the FAA regulations say this is how you handle it. So Ken's not just throwing together this logbook. Ken's throwing together a logbook that works well with the regs, the FAR aim, the the FARs, and and making sure that the uh, the the the, the con- the currency and the information that is contained therein is legit and works well for what the rules say. And I think that's a really cool thing. Well, thank you. It's uh, kind of a scary world when you live in the regulations of logbooks day in and day out, as I have for the past, it's been over 20 years now that I've been doing Pilot Partner. And just the regs and the people adopting the electronic platform for actually logging and actually thinking electronic first instead of paper first as we have been forever. Uh, it's been it's been quite a journey to get here and uh, it, it never amazes me the questions that I get and there's always a way to answer every single one of them. And the one thing I'll add to it is not only getting the currency out and getting the totals out per the regs, but inputting it with the fewest number of clicks and the fewest number of events that the user has to do to get it in there. That's where the real challenge is. And that's a challenge for everybody because I, I think in any logbook, I know when I get my pen and pencil out, there's lots of clicks that happen. I click the pen and et cetera. You know, that's the old school way. And I think most people are getting away from that. Also, I think a concern about the logbooks is the fact that I need to use this in the future to be able to, you know, have a rating and be able to fill out the forms for that rating and be able to log that and prove to the FAA that I'm eligible for this rating. What do you say to those folks? So that's where electronic really makes it even that much easier. When you have it electronic, and the, the, what you really need to focus on is what happens if you lose your logbook, if you lose those signatures, if you lose those endorsements that you got to prove that. Getting that back is a challenge. That's a trip down to the FISDO, and that's a lot of saying pretty pleased to the FAA and the FISDO to get that signed off. Your logbook is your biggest asset that you are, you are earning as a pilot, especially if you're career-minded. Pilot Partner handles all of your electronic endorsements, all of your flight endorsements in a electronic signature format, both a physical finger on the pad to get the signature and the encrypted keys on the background to make sure each signature is valid and unique and uh, authenticated. So that will work with any FAA uh, check ride or any airline interview that you'll go to. Okay, I've got a tough question, and this is true of, of any logbook in general. I have four, five physical logbooks. I've got three electronic logbooks, and I'm not sure how in the world I'm going to put all those together. Well, One line at a time. One line at a time. It's I'm like an kidding. Elephant. There's yeah. a better answer for this. <laughs> no, that, no, is, no. that is the <laughs> probably the most accurate awesome. There's actually a really good answer for this. I There's, love this question. So it all depends upon 
how detailed you want to be. The simplest thing you can do is take pictures of your paper logbook, uh-huh. export your three electronic logbooks into an Excel spreadsheet, and then import that into Pilot Partner. Take the totals that were in your paper logbook, just type in the totals, and start logging forward. So you don't have to go one line at a time at all to continue getting the benefits of electronic logbooks. This is something that's going to be really good if you already have a lot of your rate-ins, maybe, you know, especially if you already have your aviation career in place. If you're a lower-time pilot, then you want to consider the one-time, one-line-at-a-time option to get everything in there so that you can present that really nice one tidy package at your airline interview or your next check ride. So how about someone like myself who flies many different types of aircraft? I have to make sure that I have landings in this aircraft, I have landings in those aircraft, I have enough you know, approaches in that aircraft. I need to make sure that I'm single-engine current, multi-engine current, night current, single-engine, night current, multi-engine. What, what do I do? Uh, after you get done panicking, uh, trying, Which to, I did. Try, trying to figure all that out, Pilot Partner will set you up with any custom category, any custom currency that you need. I actually had to set up a night uh, single-engine C for someone the other night. I'm like, you land your seaplane at night? How does that work? But okay, we pilot wow. partner can set that up for you. I guess the water doesn't know any different. And not, boy, that would scare me. I would. I guess get the right lights in place. And there's something we need to talk about. How do you? How do you land a seaplane at night? Very carefully. Very carefully. And in Canada, you can only operate a seaplane at night. For the express purpose of going into the United States to land, well, they may be a little smarter than us in Canada. I'm not. I'm not <laughs> yeah. sure. But yes, go go over there and mess yourself up. Interesting. That's, that's too funny. But uh, where where it becomes even more interesting is, is types certificates, making sure that you have your currency in each individual type that you need. Pilot partner. Do, everybody asks, does pilot partner have custom fields? Mm-hmm. The answer is, pilot partner doesn't have standard fields. Every field in Pilot Partner is a custom field. Pilot and command, single engine land, uh, cross country, instrument time, those are all custom fields. And when you sign up for Pilot Partner, we ask you a couple questions. Are you single engine, multi-engine, helicopter, whatever? And all we're doing is configuring your custom fields automatically for you so that you have a good starting place. And from there, you can modify it to your heart's content. You can add any custom thing. Like I have a custom field or a custom currency for my logbook to make sure that my girlfriend gets at least one hour flying with me every 90 days. Figure if it's good enough for the FAA, I want to make sure, and I know that eh, you haven't been flying with me in a while, it's time to get you back up in the air. I like that. And how many hours you have with uh, our friends like uh, the dogs that might go flying with us? Or Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You can, do that. You can set up totals and, um, and currency based upon your passengers and have these very unique things that that you don't get in out of paper logbook. It can work for us. Uh, you know, Russ and I, CFIs here, um, sure can can that support some of the things that CFIs have to log too? You know, we have to keep a lot of records on what we've done, what sign offs we've given, what type of uh, training we've been giving. The CFI dashboard in this program yeah. is pretty remarkable. Like, there's some really neat stuff that has that that some special tools just for CFIs. Fantastic. That you're gonna love. So yeah, we built the a CF dashboard. CFI dashboard specifically to solve that issue, to be a tool for the independent flight instructor who has very little resources to take advantage of the fact that the CFI's logbook and the student's logbook is stored in the cloud. And we can share this data. So you can fly with three or four students in a day, 
after you get done flying, you can sit down and review that flight and actually provide a meaningful remark, not a remark that would fit in an inch and a half if you write really small, but actually give them a proper debrief. Have that get emailed to them and electronically sign their flight at the end of the day when you actually had a chance to think about it and provide something more meaningful. Then as a bonus, those four or five flights you did, one button will port them over and log them properly into your logbook, including the student's name, the fact that you gave dual, uh, dual instruction to those students, and set your categories up correctly. Excellent. Fantastic. Awesome. Anything else we need to know about Pilot Partner? We're just starting running short on time. Amazingly yeah. enough, we've almost been here two hours. Well, but We could do another two hours and everything on Pilot Partner. We did. We could. And definitely want to have you back yep. on the podcast again. But again, tell us the advantages of Pilot Partner, where they can find you, and also the possibility of signing up for a free trial or a reduced cost. Absolutely. Uh, Pilot Partner can be found at pilotpartner.net. It, my goal is to be that perfect blend between the feature sets available and the price available. At $29.95 a year, it's the cheapest logbook out there, but it's action-packed with features. It is not the least functional logbook. Um, when you sign up, you can get a 60-day uh, free trial, but uh, for Stuck Mike listeners, we have a promo code SMACK18, S-M-A-C-K-18, and that will give you 18 months for the price of 12. So for any listener of this podcast, twenty nine ninety five gets you 18 months subscription. Can I sign up? Absolutely. I haven't signed up yet. So I'm going to do what? that. Can I use that promo code? You can. But so remember, SMAC18. Yeah, get your 60-day uh, free trial. Okay. Except for your CFI. CFIs get a six-month free trial. Oh, wow. And CFIs, when you refer your student, when they buy a subscription, yeah. you get an additional six months. I'm starting my. Uh, uh, I'm going to my glider rating. Should I put that in the pilot a partner also? Absolutely. I don't need that other logbook that I've been using. No. Okay. Wow. Gosh, go go electronic first. Yeah, definitely going to do that. So pilotpartner.com and pilotpartner.net. Excuse me. net. Thank you. Pilotpartner.net. Uh, also on the deck with us is David Allen. I know you know quite a bit about that. Uh, pilotpartner.net. And I, I'm glad you've joined us here tonight. We're going to start a swap here because we have, uh, of course, we're coming up at the end of this show. Uh, but before you go, David, I want people to know uh, where they can find you on the internet because you're doing a lot of really cool aviation stuff. And I've got some new stuff coming. But uh, the easiest place to find me right now, uh, probably just uh, Twitter at Dave Flies, D A V E F L Y S. And uh, we have a, an aviation video show called Other People's Airplanes. That's you know we're doing a little bit with it. I actually going to be posting a new episode that I shot here at at, at Sun and Fun. Um, I got to fly in a, a little four engine bomber, um, so it was pretty cool. A I'll be posting that engine little engine bomber. four. Yeah, it only yeah. carries two thousand pounds of bombs. It's not all that it, impressive. It's not yeah, not like the B fifty two. Right, it's, right. It's a little little bitty like yeah, a B seventeen. B seventeen flying fortress. Right, Man. yeah, I get to fly. In I that. hope you videotaped. All I videotaped that. every bit I could. Where's that video, please? Uh, it will be at uh, youtube.com slash Fly OPA for other people's airplanes. Fly OPA. So I'll be posting that after Sun and Fun sometime. Awesome. That'd be awesome to see. And Dave, this has been awesome. You volunteering here at Sun and Fun, especially with the morning it. show. Oh my gosh, yeah. that's so cool. Uh, we'll I, do the morning show tomorrow, seven to nine. A little little mad at you for for me not getting sleep, you know, but that's okay. 
That's okay. We don't do that here at Sun and Fun, do we? No, we don't. Sleep is for after Sun and Fun. <laughs> Sleep <laughs> is for after Sun It is for after Sun and Fun. That's right. David Allen, thanks so much for being here. Thanks We're for having me, guys. Yeah, and we have a big announcement for Stuck Mike Avcast, so I kind of want to bring all my Stuck Mike people Sounds on Sounds good. Because they have, they have no idea what I'm about to announce, and this is all really right. cool. It's first time ever for a podcast. Let's get on. Have a good here. one, guys. Thanks so much, David. That was terrific. Appreciate that. But before I do that, before I get the, the folks from the Stuck Mike Avcast to talk a little bit about that new announcement, we also have somebody else here on the deck with us. Uh, you know, and it's somebody who actually has a podcast that's uh, really exciting because has interviews with lots of interesting people, but it answers the question that many people ask us, and that is why we fly. And uh, Mike Harris, thanks, thanks for coming on the deck here. Yeah, absolutely. Glad to glad to be on Stuck Mike Havcast again. Yeah, we've had you on every year, and it's been uh, wonderful what you're doing with the podcast, really inspiring people, and that's what we're all doing here. Uh, with the podcast, etc. So, Mike, tell us a, tell us a little bit about the podcast, the Why We Fly podcast. Yeah, so I've been doing Why We Fly for about two and a half years now, um, fifty-two episodes so far. Um, and basically, I started it um, to do do what I can do um, to help with the declining pilot population. Um, and that's to so to me, the important thing there is to put out information about. You know why we fly. You know what what it is we love to do with airplanes, and uh, why do we spend time and money flying airplanes? So, <clears throat> some of the episodes are um, me talking about various topics. You know what you can do with a pilot's license, or how how much time and how much money does it take to do certain flights as compared to airlines or driving, things like that. And then I do a lot of interviews with people about why they fly you know what they love to do um, in an airplane um, I've interviewed everybody from Sean D. Tucker I've interviewed um, Blue Angels pilot uh, at Oshkosh I got a, a NASA space shuttle pilot last year uh, today I interviewed Aaron Tippin a country singer so that'll be out publishing tomorrow and he he flies a Stearman and a T6 so you know I just talk to people about um, what the positive parts of, of flying in, in airplanes because there's a lot of misinformation out there, a lot of lack of information out there. The general public, who I call uh, potential pilots, you know, there's me, to me, there's pilots and potential pilots. There's no non-pilots. Um, but there's, they don't have very good information about general aviation. The only thing they know about general aviation is when there's an airplane crash. That's the only time they hear about it. So they think it's unsafe. They think it's for rich people. They don't know what you can do with it. They don't know why people would do it. So I'm trying to answer that question. Uh, so, of course, most of my audience is pilots, but it's meant to be approachable for, for potential pilots. And I encourage my pilot listeners to, it gives them something they can easily send to their neighbor, to their coworker, to their sister-in-law that's interested in asking them questions. Here, here's some more aviation talk. You know, here's, here's a lot of some cool stories about aviation. Let's, you know, get excited about it. And at the end of every episode, um, I'm imploring those uh, potential pilots to go take a discovery flight, you know. And to me, that's so important and something that, you know, I'm of the opinion everybody should just do that. I mean, it's $100, you know, there's nothing to lose. You're going to have a good time. What better way to, to spend $100 on a Saturday and come in on a Monday morning at work and, hey, what'd you do this weekend? I flew an airplane. You know, that that's the, you know, the experience right there is worth it, whether you go on to to uh, do flight lessons or not, but so I'm always encouraging people to go do a discovery flight. 
And one of the things that I think is important is that once they do that discovery flight, we give them tools to continue on. And, and I like to point them towards those organizations that help them. You know, the We Can Fly initiative at AOPA, all those different magazines they can sign up for. Also, I tell them to look at all the different events they can go to. There's lots of different things on the Internet where they can find. And, uh, and I really appreciate what you're doing as far as encouraging people to get out there and fly airplanes and get into aviation. And uh, even those people that, that, that can't fly for some reason, uh, just get out there and, and look at airplanes. They, they love to see them take off and land, go to these air shows, go to places like this, and even the smaller events. And one of the things that I, I like about you is that you're not just someone that talks about it. You actually live it because you do have an airplane, don't you? Yep, I bought a, uh, right about the same time I started the podcast, about two and a half years ago, I bought a uh, 1957 Piper Tri-Pacer. Ah. And I'm based in, uh, in just south of Nashville at a 2,000-foot grass strip and with about 15 or 20 airplanes there. And it's 12 minutes from my house. It's wonderful. It's wow. just a little, That's like a pilot's dream. It is. It's just a little aviation playground. <clears throat> so I, uh, but I fly my little Tri-Pacer all over the place. I flew it down here last Sunday. This is my third time flying down to Sun and Fun. Went to Oshkosh last year in it uh, for the first trip, my first trip to Oshkosh. Um, this past year, I've taken it Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania from Nashville. That's a good cross country. And uh, we've gone to the beach. We go see family in and, and different parts of Tennessee and my wife's family in Arkansas. We, we do a lot of traveling with it. And I, I put my wife in there and my three-and-a-half-year-old son in the, in the back seat and 100 pounds of bags and, and go. Oh, that's awesome. Someone who's using that airplane has some utility. Gets to, to live a dream that some people have of being like a bird and be able to fly from one place to the next. Mike Harris, you've been a, doing a great job here. I think you've been doing a lot of editing and maybe some interviews here at the Sun and Fun Radio. Yeah, I'm kind of a jack of all trades. I've been doing some stuff uh, on the air, some stuff editing, um, some field reporting too. So doing a, wearing a few different hats this week, having a good time. Yeah, we appreciate what you do here at Sun and Fun Radio, and thanks for joining us here on the deck. You know, amazingly enough, uh, we usually try to make a, <laughs> this podcast something that breaks all other records, and we can't this year. You know why? There's why, a Carl? Night, there's a night air show coming at 7.30, isn't there, Mr. Producer? And he's saying, yes, we have to get off the air at 7.30. If it was up to me, we have actually another hour's worth of content that we're going to have to fit into five minutes, so we may have to cut a few things out. <laughs> okay, fast. we'll talk fast. Yeah, we'll talk really fast. I know we have all those topics. Uh, but we did have a big announcement. Mike Harris, you can actually hang out for this one. Uh, and uh, we'll get a drum roll, please. Uh, first ever uh, for a podcast. Uh, we penned the agreement this morning uh, with our friends over at LiveATC.net. LiveATC.net is the people that actually stream uh, this podcast uh, right now and also stream the live radio station all year long here at Sun and Fun. So you can hear this content all year. Well, something that I found was missing is, you know, I sometimes just want to turn on the radio or turn on Live ATC and start hearing people talk about aviation. Uh, we found that uh, they had the best technology. And uh, what we're going to do is we're announcing the first ever on LiveATC.net is a podcast. And that'll be the Stuck Mike Avcast streamed all year long. And currently, it's just like in iTunes. We're going to be streaming uh, various different episodes from the past. And it's going to be various different ones. And we're also going to ask for your input as to what you want to hear. So now you don't have to worry about downloading it on your, on your phone if you just want to get a quick fix because of Stuck Mike Avcast, just like a quick fix of, of here at Sun and Fun. You can do that. Right now, because we move the podcast, 
podcast here to Lakeland. It's liveatc.net slash LAL. You'll be able to find the link to that there. And uh, we've actually convinced the folks there at Live ATC to start looking at us as podcasters and possibly move in that direction. A little bit different than all the other servers out there as far as for podcasting. This is something different. This Mm -hmm. is just for aviation enthusiasts. And uh, and it's going to be the first time ever. So, guys, you're going to be streaming all year long, 24-7 on the Internet. What do you think of that? I think it's really cool. I think it's yeah. awesome. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, and, and I'd love to hear your feedback uh, for the, from the listeners as to what they think about that. And uh, I know that we get a lot of feedback here on uh, Sun and Fun Radio on the deck here that they sometimes want to get their fix of Sun and Fun Radio. Sometimes I want to get my fix of Stuck Mike Avcast. I've got nothing in my queue. I've got nothing that's been downloaded. So I just want to hit play and I want to start listening to Stuck Mike and start, you know get my aviation fix as it, as it may be and uh, start listening there. Is this going to be a trend maybe in the future? I know there's other ways uh, of streaming out there that maybe, possibly. Uh, Another big announcement is that, yes, we're going to start doing live shows again. Remember, we did that once or twice, uh, live streaming shows. This is going back, I think, four years ago, five years ago when we did some live events. Uh, We're actually looking at some technology that's going to allow us to do these live events, and you'll be able to to stream those either off uh, liveatc.net or also our website. So uh, we haven't announced that one yet. We're working on that right now. And, and the other announcement, yes, we're bringing back our membership, our membership page. We've uh, kind of fought that battle <coughs> of doing it ourselves. We, for a while, remember, we, we had the Practical Guide to Winter Flying and some of those mm-hmm. other courses. We stopped doing that. Uh, and people said, hey, listen, I liked some of those courses. And like uh, Jack Hodgson said, we do a little bit more flight instructing. We're going to bring some of those back with your co-host here. We're going to start producing videos again. And we're going to try to make it uh, a v- very inexpensive cost. And it's probably it's going to be just like our other show. Uh, that's the Aviation Curse Podcast. It's going to be for only $10 per month that we're going to do that. Uh, and that's going to be all those different courses, seminars, webinars that I do. Of course, I do those for the safety program, et cetera. And, and so do some of the other folks that are here today with their day jobs. And we're going to incorporate that into Stuck My Gavcast. But the most exciting thing is liveatc.net and that's slash LAL for the Lakeland Airport because uh, that's one of the reasons we moved over here is so we can be close to all that wonderful aviation goodness. Gosh, I, I, you really know, cool. can you believe that? I mean, it's, it's going to be so cool to have something live streaming. And can you believe this is the end of our podcast, too, that we have been talking for the past two hours? I mean, it's we amazing. have to go to, they, they said that I have to go to some kind of an air show or something like that. I think I got about three minutes left. Uh, but real quickly, uh, I'd, I'd like to, because we're doing this live, uh, I want to hear from, from the rest of the folks here on the deck, uh, just talk a little bit about uh, this year and if they're coming back next year. And maybe what was maybe one of your, your most memorable uh, things that you saw out here. I'll start with Larry and then work our way around. Sure. So um, uh, as many of us did, I hung out here at the radio station an awful lot. Didn't get out into the you know hinterlands too often, but uh, I did take a walk around today, and there were some really cool planes out in vintage still that had not left yet, uh, and so that was you know that was that was kind of a highlight to just walk around there and just enjoy those antique aircraft that are out there, the classics, you know that sort of thing. That's an area that I enjoy uh, spending some time with. I actually love the Warbirds. Uh, the coolest thing was actually having uh, Bill English sitting next to me telling me all about the Warbirds. He's actually a Warbird uh, aficionado, and was a, I was able to learn a little something about that, so that was totally cool. So, and Bill, I guess I should just go to you next. What yeah, was your I, you know, that's a perfect segue. It's probably one of the best Warbird uh, attendance shows I've seen in years. So it was, it was fantastic, um, and just everything from the, the old Warbirds up to the new technology was great seeing that when we were walking around. Awesome. And uh, how about Russ? 
Well, you know, I'm going to spoil it maybe a little bit, but <laughs> because you're going to say, "Oh, I should have said that too," but it's okay. Um, to me, that one of the neatest things was just meeting our listeners, and you know, having these people come up and say, "I recognize your voice. You're you're Russ on the Stock My Gavcast," and yeah, yeah, no, it's 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 fantastic, and. And just being able to interact with the listeners, and I mean, there are people out there. You know, I mean, yeah. my wife jokes, "Hey, you're doing another podcast for your tens of listeners," and I, yeah, we joke, but yeah, we actually have maybe ten listeners, so that's good. Yeah, that but, was and we cool. met ten, and it was <laughs> so awesome. Meeting it was you. fantastic. Yeah, it really was. And yeah. don't feel bad about coming up and saying hi to us, Robert Cicliano. What was your most memorable thing out here? Well, it's a cliche, but it's the people. I missed it last year. I wasn't here last year, so I missed everyone. Came back. It was like seeing family again you know the hugs uh, the high fives and just seeing everyone again ma- making new friends and just being part of it but i finally got out to their show today and i have a soft spot for lsa so i walked around the lsa mall paradise city saw the technims or um all the sport cruisers so i was enjoying to see the new technologies in these lsa's Awesome, awesome. And Mike Harrison, you're here. Let's ask you real quickly. We only have about a minute left. Yep, no problem. Um, I got to see I got to see it take off twice, the beautiful red biplane Waco on floats. Nice. That was awesome. Mm. That was terrific. Well, folks, uh, from myself, uh, Mike Harris, Robert Sigliano, Bill English, Russ Wasleski, I'm Carl Valeri, Larry Overstreet over here. We also want to say thanks for all the other people that actually volunteered at the podcast, We're gonna, we are going to go to the air show that is live right now. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next episode. Safe flying. You've been listening to the Stuck Mike Abcast. Members of the Stuck Mike Abcast may receive compensation for products or services mentioned during the podcast. Compensation may be received in the form of, but not limited to, referral commissions, free products, or service trials. Our opinions and views are never influenced by any compensation, and you should always perform your own due diligence before purchasing any products or services mentioned during the show. The Stuck Mike Avcast is an aviation podcast and a Valeri Aviation Corporation production.